all honesty, um, this is just my like personal thing is like the whole point system and stuff drives me nuts. For me as a competitor, like I should be able to, uh, you know, I want to, I want to finish my opponent. If it goes like pride used to do 10 minute rounds, there's a reason for that. Like push someone into the deep end and see where they're at, like, see what they've got in the tank and, and really challenge them. When someone can take you down, not necessarily advance on you at all, but just ride out of position and win. Fuck that. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. I am Matt Browse of Pohada Photography. This is the 13th episode and our second time with a mixed martial arts fighter. As you heard there, my guest this time around is Travis the Hurricane Redinger. We talk about his career as an early player in the mixed martial arts scene, his use of his training and his profession. There might be a mention of a potato in a butt, and we pin down scrubs to be the most accurate portrayal of medical practice. And we get into the competitive mindset and how it compares between fighting and lifting. Before we jump in, thanks as always to Polly and Kathy Brooks for letting us hang out. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you do, and please give us a five-star review on Apple. It helps a lot. And if you write something funny, you could win a gift card from the podcast sponsor, 5 Watt Coffee in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Coffee is the lifeblood that fuels the dreams of champions, and 5 Watt is the best choice for the good stuff. And make sure to stick around at the end to hear a clip from next week's conversation with Hayden Buckner, owner of the Academy Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Next week, you'll hear his story. And without further ado, my conversation with Travis Redinger. Travis, you ever been in a fight? Once. One time? Maybe twice. <laughs> yeah. A few. Um, yeah. 25 pro around there. I 25 think. pro, you said? Yeah. How many amateurs? I don't, like... Yeah. There. So when I started, there wasn't right. really amateur pro or anything else. It was like you kind of went in and... I'm not sure there's really weight classes either. Like sometimes you go to fights like down in Rochester and the promoter like pick up one guy and pick up the other. And like, yeah, you guys are <laughs> cool about the same. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, you know, and like when I started, you'd see, you know, the weigh-ins and all this other stuff. And then you go to these local things and you're like, oh, this is, I hope this works out okay. And Just match complexions know. or something. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and, and there were sometimes too where the guy was clearly like 40 pounds smaller than his opponent. Yikes. And, uh, Obviously, like pre-commission and and all those other things, and, right? You know, safety was maybe not the most paramount. It's like, well, you got a mouthpiece. Let's do this. <laughs> Give me training. And there was guys. That, I think down in Rochester, a few times there was people who looked like came from the crowd, you know, and put on gloves and got Yikes. in a cage and threw down. Um, Give which, me a time frame on that. When like when did Christ. you start? So I started in two thousand four. Um, How old were you then? 22 yeah yeah so kind of i guess a you know, late start compared to a lot of people now and sure you know i had um as a kid and everything else you know it, it, martial arts always interest me and like we'd go to the kind of the sand playground and have like take down matches with our friends and stuff like that and like wrestle and grapple and like love stuff like that like love just the physicality of it and um I don't know why the hell I never got into it, like, growing up more. Like, I played football for years because my dad played in high school. So I'm like, oh, play football. And can't say that was super enjoyable. Team sports might not be my thing. 
because like, like I put 110 percent in, and the next guy's putting 40 percent in. It's like, well, fuck. Like, it's, yeah, it totally. Seem legit and fair. If I um, if I lose, I want to be able to just plainly pin down yeah. why and how I lost. Yeah. yeah. Rather than like speculating who else wasn't or was doing their thing. Exactly. Right. And or when the offensive lineman doesn't block a guy and I get fucking crushed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ugh. not to identify a very specific no, instance no, or anything. Nothing there at all. <laughs> playing South Minneapolis in eighth grade, but yeah. don't remember those things. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh yeah, never got like really, I think I did Taekwondo for like a year when I was younger and I don't know, yeah, like fourth or fifth grade. It just didn't work out. And then, um, after high school, like I was super active in high school and with college and trying to work and kind of know what I want to do. I ended up going from like 160 pounds up to, I think my heaviest was like 225. And everyone's Yo. like, everyone's like, Oh, like muscle? I'm like, no, no. like you mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> Sixty-five happen. pounds of muscle, yeah. like over a few years. Like, right. no. And um, signed up. Oh my god, I need to get active. Like, I'm getting fat as hell. Right. You know, and, and so it was when Bally's was still around, and they had like a Taekwondo and Hapkido thing starting. I was like, well, it's something to do, you know. And got into it, and actually dropped a, quite a bit of weight. Just, just from getting in the gym every day, you know. I, been used to running everything daily and got away from that and probably partying too much and so I started going there and um dropping weight and then of course they have the competitions and stuff like that so I started competing I think that was about the time UFC was starting to get a little more mainstream and you know popular and Mm -hmm. you'd see it everywhere and so go to these these tournaments and they were like point style and you could kick to the head but you couldn't punch to like anything but the chest and just wasn't the most Ta- know, taekwondo right We're talking yeah, about, yeah. yeah hapkido taekwondo they kind of mix us together like oh, there's a sure. difference but in competition it was kind of the same just punch and kick points right whatever else so we would go to like chicago these tournaments and everything else and um i was like this isn't like i wanted more of a realistic like I, you know i wanted to basically like real fighting stuff like i want to be physical and, and with a competitive mindset and so I started looking around. I'm like, all right, this is this is not what I want. Like, there's places around here now that train legitimate stuff, with, you know, striking and, and realism. And so I started seeking that out then. Um, you know, one time, like, I know because I was actually starting my paramedic school at the same time I started training. So it's kind of a, those two things kind of hand-in-hand time frame-wise. Yeah, the, and the future was coming together simultaneously. Yeah, it was a struggle trying to figure out because I'd been – did generals and call, you know, after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, listening to everyone else and really a sense of direction. And then ended up going to school, be a mechanic, which I still, I love it. I still work in cars and, you know, do fun stuff like that. And then ended up, my parents were moving because my dad lost his job. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Like, still do the mechanic thing and find somewhere to live, whatever else. And um, I was like, well, I was actually on the scene of a couple of really bad car accidents and, you know, there's people one was a rollover is people like laying out on the ground. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, this might be a good time to like go back to school, be an EMT. And then so th- this wasn't there. well, you were in training or in school for that. This was just do that, to be that an was experience. Literally the, I would say, uh, probably like May or June of 2004. And then, um, I ended up starting school that August, you know, mm-hmm. so it was very quickly moved and then I think I started training maybe in like June or July. I think before it got too hot or maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Um, started finding, trying to find gyms and 
yeah. you know, find places. And there really wasn't, not like there is now. Like now you can go every 20 minutes and find a gym that does anything. And then I think there was three, maybe. Well, it seems to me that would be, you said you aren't sure why you didn't ever start training when you were younger. Well, the availability of yeah wasn't there. Yeah, and I, you know, it was never... Um, like judo, I had no idea what judo was. Like, if, I think if I would have known, like, oh, I can throw people. Yeah, sweet, like awesome. Be like Street Fighter too, and yeah, you could teach you know, people to fly. Yeah, <laughs> like that type of stuff. I would have been, you know, more useful. Right. Um, but yeah, there is that. I mean, there there wasn't anywhere around, and well, but like even judo now, how many judo clubs are there in the Twin Cities? Couple. Like you can have access to judo, but like a judo training yeah. facility, there's. Three or four or something. Yeah, honestly, I always so know there's the there U, and then there, you know, the U has their judo club. Yeah, and then um, there's one in West St. Uh, Paul. West St. Paul by yep. my parents. There's mid, midway judo or something there, yeah. which I always drove by. I don't know if yeah. they're ever open, but yeah, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing is, it, it all seems so obscure. You know, I've I've like lived my life in obscure sports, so it like makes right. sense. You know, you think, well, why didn't I get into this? Well, who? How would you ever hear? Yeah. Of? Highland Games and judo. Right. Like, what What is this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so we're seeing those or being on the scene for those two accidents, like something of a catalyst to make you go to school for EMT, or were you already moving that way? No, I didn't. I didn't know what what my plan was. Like mechanic thing was fine, but at the same time, it was kind of when the um, cash for clunkers was happening, and then the sure. I think the economy was kind of starting to take a turn yeah. right then. So being a mechanic and being paid, you know basically off the cars you worked on what was there there were times when if no cars came in you don't make money and i was like yeah. i don't know if this is really sustainable like i could work on my own on the side and make you know money but i was like i, I don't know if this is really my plan for the next how many years and the rest of my life so and knowing my parents were moving it's like well this is the opportunity then for me to kind of go a different route um it just it just worked out and it really bothered me like with those accident scenes of just like be feeling helpless you know yes. like just having no idea what to do besides like stare at the person and be like well uh hoping for the you know, best like, help me yeah i can hold you yeah which yeah. is probably the wrong thing to do anyways you know? right once yeah. you find out you do I'm like oh shit well but um yeah those things just really like those things stuck in my head i remember i was going to visit my dad in duluth and there was a car accident in front of you know she ended up rolling her car like eight times and uh, so I stopped and a couple of their vehicles stopped and the car was on its side. So we couldn't get in there. And we literally like watched her take her last breath and die. I think that was the big one. I was like, F. And then that night, my dad's like, how you doing? I'm like, great. Like take yeah. a shower and I can still like see like, you know, yeah. like I said, like you close your eyes and you see these things like it still was, was, you know. And whether you could have even done anything or not, it's still a kick in the ass. Like, yeah. I didn't know what the move was, even right. if there was a move. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's intense. And so it was uh it's just kind of those things really shaped it and I was like, Okay, this is even if I didn't think of it as a career path at that point necessarily, but it was at least like, well, if I an EMT was like a six month course or something. Yeah. Like, at least it'll give me knowledge and it's something to right. do right now. And then that led into like, Well, I really like this, which led into paramedic program and then into nursing and yeah. you know. That's a good skill set for everybody to have some level of uh emergency response with yeah. uh 
What's the phrase I'm looking for? Basic life support. Thank or, you. you know, BLS, Red Cross yeah. or any, yeah, you know, something, right? So some even, competence. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, so even if I just know, oh, I'm supposed to call someone, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's always a part of the course, right? Right. At least call somebody else for God's sake. Yeah. So you in a nursing now, so you did, you did EMT, did yeah. you go like paramedic route or did you end up into yeah. nursing school? So the nice thing about there was, um, I ended up going to St. Cloud into my EMT there. Um, and went straight into the paramedic program, mm-hmm. which was, was a really good program there. Um, the instructor initial was great. Um, St. Cloud's an interesting city, that's for sure. Say that again. St. Cloud's an interesting city. That's uh, <laughs> I'm okay with not going back there. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, college town, right? Yeah, but it's just the... Oh, it's just the design, and it's an interesting demographic of like college town slash small town. Mm mentality and a little more so like racism and prejudice and then just a lot of other little, little hillbilly yeah then you had yeah. meth and heroin <laughs> yeah. and all those other things on top of it and it's just yeah. you know it's uh it's, it's so working ems there it was interesting between kind of your your college responses and parties and then all the other stuff you end up seeing yeah but um yeah so i finished up school there um then you know, I was actually living down here for a while and commuting back and forth to school and training at the same time. So at that time, you're at the academy early on. No, okay. um, I don't think I even knew about the academy at that point. Sure. So I ended up searching online, um, trying to find somewhere to train. You know, like you know, googling. Probably Google then. Google's around there. Maybe Alta Vista. Yeah. Depending on the year, right? <laughs> Netscape. <laughs> it was past my AOL sign-on. I know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I ended up searching out, and it was Team Bison is where I ended up going to. There was actually uh, a school in Savage I went to first. There's was um, Eric Assans, who ended up starting American Top Team. He's out in Savage now, um, but he was at a small place there. Went there a few times. Um it just had a lot of other weird things going on. Like I was kind of in between housing and those things. So I ended up eventually with team bison, which I would say has probably been the biggest catalyst in any of this in just like finding what I want to do and also give me the confidence to kind of go my own route. Um, Starting to train with them was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I don't even know how to, I feel like you had to be there. Um, and one thing that always stuck out in my head with those places, like I talked to Caitlin and, and Ryan, like Ryan eventually went to train with them and they're like, God, if there's anything like that place, like if anything Mike Riley could do, he's like, he would teach people to be tough as fuck. And it was like walking in there, you know, and he even said like straight up and Mike's, Mike's an abrasive guy to a lot of people and a lot of, turns a lot of people off, but I have a great appreciation for him and, you know, like he's. He can be, but he can also be an extremely caring person and very mm-hmm. endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you deal with MMA people for that long, you're going you to be a prick in general. Like yeah. sport and everything else, like people are shit. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. for them, well, like you'll find some really great people, and I have, which are still yeah. like great friends of mine. But you also find people that are there to use you and, and yeah. make fifty cents off you if they can. Right. But um, yeah, I went to train there, and Mike was very upfront to like you're going to get hit this isn't for everyone. Like you have to be, you have to ask permission to come back. He's like, a lot of people say they want to do this and they last 30 minutes and they're gone. And, and so I was like, Oh, whatever, you know, we go there and it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like 
kind of see what you can do. And it was a garage with um, mats on the floor and then um, kind of crash pads on the walls and stuff like that. And, you know, like a four-car garage. And it was, uh, God, going from these Taekwondo or Hapkido competitions where you're, like, taking gold and doing fine to putting on boxing gloves and shin guards. And uh, Dennis Stoll was a guy who um, was a chiropractor. And then I uh, had been working boxing in Muay Thai with some places, and that dude rung my fucking bell. Like, <laughs> never been hit before. <laughs> Hand you his business card afterward. <laughs> Come see me. Do a little neck adjustment there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my, Mike was, I mean, it's just part of it. Like, kind of that realization of, like, oh, this is what it's, this is what it's like. like this is what fighting is. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, and you're always, like, oh, I'm tough. I can fight, you know, I can take a punch. And then you get hit, and you're like, Ooh, this is, <laughs> okay, well, I'll keep going with this and see how it is. And He's going to do that again, huh? Yeah, All right. he's going to do this a lot over the next four minutes. <laughs> yeah, Mike's like, you got to keep your hands up. And I remember he caught me with a with a right, and it just rung me. And I was dizzy. And it didn't put me out, but it was like, you know, all right, we're going to reset my brain here a little bit. And then, uh, so that was a very, it was like, I don't know shit. Like, yeah. I know nothing. And I mean, I stood it that way going with people, you know, you roll with a guy and you're like, God, I've been doing this for years. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to those years? What, what yeah. am I doing here? Yeah. Where did, where did I go? But, um, so it was a good path of just learning to deal with a lot of stress, being uncomfortable, being put in the worst. I mean, cause, cause there, I mean, we would do training was real and, kind of learn now that you know sparring everything else all the time and getting hit and head injury and trauma it probably isn't the best but back then too people didn't know anything about the sport i mean weight cutting was people are still doing like the wrestler high school wrestler style of weight cutting there was just a no information out there for any of this and um so we would train hard and it was ground and pound like legit ground and pound you know, during the day, you'd, you'd go in, you'd be, you know, all right, we're going to do takedowns against the wall to live goes and ground and pound. And, you know, we'd have a little bit. He'd start off with, we do conditioning every day, which I loved. Like conditioning and, and having just the ability to go for 30 minutes, I appreciate. And he was super big into, like, body weight plyos and all that. And so it was about getting in shape, um, everything too, and just having the ability to go for an hour hard. It wasn't an issue. Um, so he'd do some instruction then and, Mike came from a judo, he was a judo black belt and also did catch wrestling. A um, bunch of guys trained at what was called the, the church. I don't say it was Bloomington. I mean, that was probably early 2000s, like 2000, 2002. Sounds like that one's not around anymore. No, no. And there's a guy, whoever the catch wrestler is, he's got a bunch of videos out, but he was kind of like the catch wrestling man. And this was his place. It was like Russell Church or something like that. Uh, so Mike was there, and there was another guy, um, Adam Rockway, who he was a judo guy too, did catch wrestling. And if you ever think you're a badass in like your 20s, you can go to the bar and fight, and have a 40 year old come in and just grind you into the mat and just torture you, not punching you or anything, but just shoulder pressure, knuckles in your ribs, like collarbone, like it's just this miserable stuff that I loved and learned to adopt and still use it today <laughs> you know, like on Jeremy frequently when I get a chance. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah, so those guys, and it was like just that, like you got tough or you left. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like we had a lot of guys come in and I want to fight, I want to do this, and it, it didn't a lot of, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of people that left compared to stayed. And, there, you know, that we had our core group. Um, and a lot of good, we did a ton of fights and, you know, we were a pretty close group there. And then, uh, then things kind of started getting, you know, bigger and, and then other places were, you know, popping up and jujitsu and Muay Thai were becoming more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of the more UFC came around and obviously people moving around and things like that. But yes. Yeah, so, so, so you actually trained with, with judo guys and catch wrestling guys early on more than more than jiu-jitsu yeah yeah 100 interesting because um, like, you know I, i'm relatively new to all of it and it's like the show is muay thai and jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. it, it seems like you know western boxing you know this and that yeah but like those are the two that people talk about it seems like the most is it is there much of a presence of catch wrestling i know you said that the one place is gone yeah i still think i mean I feel like a lot of it still plays in and depending on how, like I would say Jeremy, like he has more to me of like a catch wrestling game. Okay. You know, yeah. like, and, and it could just be cause the guys that I'm used to that had that style, but, um, you know, it wasn't so much of being like slick off your back and going inverted and those other things, which you just get your face pounded in anyways. Like no one did, no one did daily, you know, like yeah. daily Heva or, right. you know, Bermbolo and all that other stuff. Like, uh, you know, like there was no Sebastians around then. Actually, there was one guy. He came in. He was a purple belt. He did so I think he came from the West Coast, and that guy's face was so black and blue after like the first yeah couple training sessions because he would yeah. try to go upside down on someone. And they would just rain down hammers. Yeah, on him. it seems trickier when there's strikes involved. Yeah, you know, if I can't punch you, then yeah, you'll probably tip me over, and who knows? But right. if I could just lay one into your nose while you're yeah. down there, it's different. You uh you would just base out and you know, kind of tighten your knees up a little bit and just hammer down. So I can't. I mean, I don't even know if there are any catch wrestling places around. I mean, there's still guys who do it. I still think there's aspects, and I know um like Justin White who trained with us. He's a black belt now. He he still does catch wrestling stuff and looks into it. And I think it's it's interesting, especially if you go more of like a if you want to do it for self like legit self defense and fight and like dealing with stuff um, for controlling someone and those types of things. Like jujitsu has an aspect, but um, catch wrestling is just a different, different feel, but it mentally, I think it teaches you to deal with a lot of adversity of like, this guy's really hurting me, but I need to keep a clear head and, you know, maintain my composure. And, and so that's, I give credit to them and Mike um, because moving into emergency medicine, having the ability to like, deal with someone trying to knock you out, you know, while you're trying to submit them or do whatever. Just having that clear mindset, I think has helped me at work a ton. Just being calm, like I can deal with this. It's yeah. You know, at least he's not trying to punch me in the face right now. So (laughs) that's some big dude swinging at me yesterday. This is no big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well, you're dealing with a chaotic medical situation. There's always, it's always kind of in the back of my head is like, "Mm, it could be a lot worse. It seems, it seems like that would be one of the central things of training jiu-jitsu or anything with self-defense in mind is the thing that people get, when you, if you get attacked in the streets or you're a victim of a crime, it's the shock of the confrontation, mm-hmm. the shock and discomfort of the fact that someone like threw you to the ground or whatever. So yeah, if you're like well-versed in that and you've been training that for three, yeah. four years, three times a week, uh, okay, I'm going to get my guard back and fight back, I mm-hmm. guess, you know. Uh, 
So I, I definitely could see how that would translate to high pressure career fields and stuff too. Yeah, and it's you know the the response people get a lot, and I remember this early on, like you get this, like you get the tachycardia, like your heart gets going, your adrenaline's going, you're in a confrontation. And I remember like you'd almost like get like tears welling up in your eyes for some like just like this weird response in your body, you know, and um, even just a confrontation with you know you beat the bar and like I didn't really drink that much and stuff like that, but someone always an asshole and you just get this but then learning to control that Garrett lower your heart rate think like kind of get your senses about so you're not tunnel vision like see what's going on around you see if buddies you stuff like this like shit's not gonna go well and people that are like oh, I don't fight in the street and everything else like you're stupid like just yeah. don't like nothing nothing's gonna end up good like even if you win you're still an idiot and you're still gonna like you at best, he's not an asshole and he deserves it and knows that. But others are going to end up in jail and police are going to be there. And like it's yeah. just not worth the hassle. Or his friend's going to stab you. Well, so. that was that, <laughs> that clip that went viral the other day. Of like the, was the Oklahoma football players messing with those guys in a restroom. And those guys happen to know how to mm-hmm. fight. They're you know experienced fighters. But they threw the fuck down just beat the shit out of those mm-hmm. guys and they're probably gonna be felons now like okay what'd you prove here yeah like you know yeah he, so he got hurt you know and there's video evidence of you and you're gonna be branded in court as mm-hmm. like a trained killer trained fighter like it's, it's nothing but a bad situation like you knew you were gonna stomp him just get out of there yeah. you know stay calm think, think through it like you said what what what's the real situation here? Get and especially here. for guys like back then is like or people now, like if like if you fight and you're a pro, like I always tell people like I get paid. Like you get paid to fight, you know. That's why I do this. Yeah. <laughs> and actually like I it worked it out like that's actually what I did through my medic and nursing school is how we paid our bills mostly was you know, like my wife worked but I fought mm. and I worked out so I had I had pretty good I had really good following, I had really good sponsors. And kind of had a pretty good business set up for it. And, um, you know, I tell people, I'm like, dude, I get, unless you have a couple thousand dollars, like, it's, what what benefit is there for me? Like, yeah, right. You know, like, right. I get hurt. I can't train or fight. Like, and then you don't I get paid for you. your actual fights. Yeah. <laughs> I hurt you. I get sued and lose money. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's nothing good out of there. There's actually one time this guy was just being a complete prick and just wouldn't stop. You know, I was there with, we were just there eating He's kind of I'm like, can I see your phone quick? He's like, why? I'm like, I'm not. Like, here's my phone. Like, I'm not taking yours. Just, and I finally like, went to Google and Googled myself and handed it back to him. Nice. He's like, oh, I'm like, just leave me alone, dude. Yeah. Just <laughs> Hold on. Say you beat me up. Like, fine. Yeah. Like, but have my checking quesadilla. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> let me just hang out with my friends and like, just, just quit being an asshole. Uh, that's a baller fucking move. You did that? Yeah, it's the only thing I think of. Is <laughs> give like, it, give me your you... phone. I'm going to Google me so you can read about me well, and walk the fuck away. That's it, awesome. It worked. Um, <laughs> I bet. But it was like, even my friends were like, dude, just... And, and, and the fuck of it all is like, all my friends were like your size. Like, it, you know, like, Pete and Chad and Chris and all those guys were all like, a couple of them were like 6'6", six, six, just yeah. big guys. Like, why would you confront that yeah. person? And there's like me, of course, like the smallest ever, but I'm 5'10". Sure, ten, like, sure. And, uh, yeah, so, and they'd be like, dude, just go away, just leave me alone, just leave me alone. Like, don't, you know, <laughs> and 
<laughs> and so I was just like, well, let's try this. Like, I don't know what else to do besides, you know. And so it worked. It was kind of <laughs> like a, and they're just like looking at me like, I didn't thought of that. I'm like, oh, I, that's a good fucking baller move, man. Yeah. That's one of the cooler stories I've so, heard from people on this podcast. That's, <laughs> that's fucking sweet. But like the thing is, like when you're sober and sitting there, you can actually yeah like, think of ways to or just be like, all right, I'm, I'm out. Like there's a lot of times where there's leave situations. People are like, you just do whatever the hell you want. Like you'll just disappear. I'm like, yeah, because you know, like I worked downtown security for a while, and we did like some private security stuff, and it's like nothing good happens later at night. Yeah. Especially when people are drinking and seeing it over and over, and you kind of see the pattern starting. You're like, well, bye. Yeah, once dinner's digested, or just go home. Yeah. It's nothing Nothing. Nothing else good's happening this evening unless no. there's a late show or something. No. You ever been in a fight, though? Like a real fight? Did you hear I said real fight? Real you ever fight. been in a fight in the streets? Have you, have, have you, has it gone there? Yeah, well... Yeah, well, yeah, actually, I'm thinking about it. Because mm. <laughs> a lot of times it would be like, just try to wrap the guy up and just, be, just stop, you know? Yeah. And because I think there's a, like, if you can get a hold of someone and, like, literally wrap them up and show them, like, I could just break your face and just bring down elbows, but you kind of, like, set a mount on them, like, are you done? Like, take some deep breaths, stop, you know? Um, they kind of calmed down or I remember we were working downtown and this guy was just hell bent on fighting my buddy. We were working security. And I think I actually just like picked him up and like held him against the wall. And I was like, just fucking stop. Please stop. And he was just like, Oh, you know, but yeah, I was at a, I was at a bar and, um, I was in the bathroom and I'm like washing my hands and I wasn't drinking this time. I was washing my hands as I was just because I was I left work, worked up the street as a mechanic, came down and, um, you know, having some food and that after work. And I was washing my hands and all of a sudden I was like, I feel something in the back of my head. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And I look up and like the mirror in front of me, I see this dude like swinging again. I'm like, ooh. I was kind of like duck out and it's like him and his buddy in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, so I'm like, this is not a, they were fighting each other or no, they were both coming they at you punch me. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, like how this, I don't remember talking to him that night or anything else or having any type of like interaction, yeah. but, um, yeah. So the guy like punched me in the back of the head and so I was sitting there washing <laughs> my hands and my head just kind of like, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and so I like look up and I was like, oh shit. And so I like head out of the bathroom and there's kind of like a little like entryway there and then the bar. So I ran out of the bar quick. I was like, Pete, like now and these dudes both come out after me. I was like, well, if I get to them before they get to me, <laughs> and like, so they were both like hell bent on it. And, uh, I was like, all right, well, I ended up like getting them both like out the door. The police actually came and I think it was after is after I had fought recently. So I had fought like the week or two before and I had a black guy. And the cops like, is that from the night? I'm like, no. He's like, well, what's that from? I was like, I, fight like professionally and he's like oh do you know so-and-so and so-and-so I'm like, actually yeah they used to oh, train nice. with us nice. <laughs> yeah she's like what ha- happened here exactly he's like have you been drinking i'm like no like came for food like i always got quesadillas there it was my thing so uh i was like no i just came to eat and uh this he's like oh all right well have a chat with these guys and take care of them and they were hammered yeah like they were obviously Clearly, yeah. probably like i also was a little upset and like chased them halfway across the parking lot sure 
wedding retribution yeah, <laughs> from yeah. that. But uh, which I which shouldn't, most which people, I shouldn't have done. Correct. Yeah. You know, but, but, but uh, most most guys aren't going to have the cardio for that, so they're probably having a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drunk drunk guys in a full parking lot. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. So, yeah, the, the police were pretty cool about it, and I was like, no, like this is what happened, and yeah. why are we chasing them? Like, well, that was not the best idea. I should have let them go, but yeah. here we are. <laughs> and you'd have chased them too, officer. Chill out. Yeah. I was like, I just saved you the time of running right. after them. Right. So, <laughs> tell but, me about your first. Uh, like amateur fight. So my first official. Yeah. So actually my first official fight was pro. You know, we did stuff in like the ring and cage and stuff like that with like smokers or whatever, I guess. But yeah, like my first, it was all kind of old school, quick and dirty oh, up yeah. until you joined the pro ranks. Okay. Yeah. But even like then, like my first technical fight was pro, um, is Aldrich arena. And I think I was training for two or three months at that point. Mm hmm. Like, hey, there's fights come up. Everyone wants to fight. I'm like, well, yeah, like, I've been doing this three months, yeah. like, <laughs> golden. Been watching tough man competitions yeah. on FX. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I've I've been in here and I've been able to like. It's kind of my mentality in there though, because we did we did called like what was eating the half, so 30 minutes. When you were getting ready for a fight, if you're fighting, roughly a week out, you'd be in for 30 minutes, and they'd rotate a fresh guy in every minute to two or so. So, and mm. I love, I still do it. Um, actually every, on my birthday I do however many, whatever years I am, I'll do yeah. that many minutes straight yeah. at the gym rolling people. But, um, it's psychologically huge for fighters. Like I think because it teaches you like one to when you're tired, you still got to go like you have to fight. But also once you deal with having cause it's everyone on your team, it's not like just guys in your weight class. No, it's. Heavyweights, lightweights, everything. Yeah. And it's it was real. It was they're punching, they're kicking, they're subbing you. Um so after dealing with that for thirty minutes, it's like, well, I can deal with some other asshole for a couple of five, minutes. Five minute rounds or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. So psychologically it was I think it was a very powerful thing in building that confidence, but also the ability to I can do this because yeah. you see it now with, I think Caitlin talked to you about like there's a lot of people who break. Mm-hmm. Like once they get pushed, they mm-hmm. they could be the most talented fighter ever. You push them in that deep water, and they break, and they're done. So don't have the elite level grit. Yeah, they they've been coddled. just just knowing that you yeah been coddled yeah just knowing that you've got the gas tank though like you maybe would have stopped, but your body is able to keep going mm-hmm. so long as I'm assuming because I'm not in that club. But no, but you have the ability uh-huh. to like sure you yeah. can push through pain and adversity and and. Right. You know, trouble like that, and it's just a mindset you get. Um, so I've been training for a few months, and I was like, "Well, I think let's just give it a run, like see what happens." And um, so I won my first fight. It was, uh, like I said, it was at Aldrich Arena, so the hockey arena. It was awesome. Um, That's a pretty sweet first time out. Yeah, you know, in quotes, first time, right? I mean, yeah, that's a cool venue. Something of a crowd there, I'm assuming. It was huge. Like it, oh, it was. And there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there wasn't uh, monthly shows back then. Well, maybe there was. There wasn't a, multiple shows. There wasn't, you know. Um, yeah. For a while, we had like two or three promotions in Minnesota. There wasn't that. This was the only thing. It was the one here in the cities and then one in Rochester. And Jamie, who ran the one in Rochester, kind of helped the one in the cities. So um, it worked out. And, uh, yeah, I think we went second or third round, and I ate a ton of punches because I remember just my mouth afterwards was – like raw and blood, you know, like trying to eat over the next couple of weeks was a disaster. And 
Um, but oh, actually, I never even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, you got all that swelling and stuff in on the gums and the cheeks and stuff. All the little cuts. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of that ever. Yikes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I blocked a lot of punches with my face, but I won um, <laughs> at that point. Like, we could, with the rules then, you could still knee to the head on the ground and everything. So that's how I won my first fight was oh, oh. end up, uh, so I never wrestled or anything, but because we did all the wall drills at the gym, got him against the cage with like a double, which is super easy to double and pick someone up off the cage because all their weight's up. Yeah. You got the um, leverage point you oh, can yeah. work with. Yeah. Best ever. Like best way to take someone down. Lazy man's double. Push them against the wall, then double. Okay. Yeah, because you can actually like pin them, pin their back against the wall, lift their legs. You can put them like 90 degrees perpendicular yeah. to the ground um, or parallel to the ground, I should say. And uh, so Call, I put them calling the it the lazy man's double puts it in my like list like all right i'm gonna have to check this I out still do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> still do it when me and jeremy go i try to get him against the wall so i can do that like and he yells at me and screams at me and doesn't mm-hmm. really can knock go to the wall mm-hmm. yeah it's uh love it and that was always my go-to then after that was like this is perfect yeah i can wrestle against the wall yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> so took him to the ground and then just started raining down knees to the head and that knees, was it knees to the yeah. head so my body weight into my hard kneecap into your head into the mat or the bottom of the cage. I think it was into the cage. Yeah, into the cage. Ugh. But um, pass. But that was the like I said, man. The the rules back then were yeah, very yeah. different right. than now. And uh, yeah, so I won. And the uh, do you remember who it was? Who you fought? Oh, jeez. Like I guess what is it? Somebody that's kind of still around? I guess is my. I don't. I mean, he fought a lot of guys. Uh, sure. No. I think it's Mike was his name. Oh, yeah, Mike. So if that helps you out at all. but <laughs> <that's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot of people around still tra- you know, that, that sure. are competing from, from back then. Yeah, it's, like, it's something of a cultural turnover, plus that's a lot of years, man. That's yeah. a lot of wear and tear between then and now. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, Travis of you was around back then. I'm sure he's still competing. That dude's a beast. Um, I don't know if Caitlin was even competing yet then. Uh, but yeah, so, and the promoter's like, what do you think? Can we do it again? I was like, fuck yeah. Like, it's, like, it was awesome. Like, I was never an elite athlete or anything else like that, you know? And then you go into this thing of, you train super hard and then you like, do well at something and it's not, you know, it's you. Like, it's individual. Yeah. Going back to that team thing of, like, you can win as a team, yes, but I feel it's not really testing you, like, specifically. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, we got to do it. And then. Uh, what color was your hair for that fight? I didn't have hair. Oh, you didn't have hair? No hair at that point. Shaved. I had uh, prior not, not to bald. that. So, yeah, because I had like a huge, like probably 14 inch tall mohawk uh, prior to that. And I That's think awesome. I had shaved it um, on a New Year's Day that year. And uh, so I just shaved down for a while. And so, yeah, no hair for the first while. Then after that, I eventually grew it back and started dyeing it. And yeah. it's kind of the signature. I was going to say the trademark neon green or whatever. Yeah, the uh, pink and black from there on out. So You do that stuff yourself to your hair? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and now I do my kids' hair and everything. And nice. So <laughs> it's like a good little thing. Like, Where do you get that done? Like, I do it. Like, you do it? Yeah. Like, what's that hard? Like, Can't be that hard. Yeah. No. So... But yeah, the uh, it's being involved like in fights for so long. So 
with fighting and then being an EMT stuff, then obviously like you're the go-to for medical things. And so I actually started working the fights. Um, then Rochester was like the first one. It was like, hey, we're supposed to have some type of medical personnel. Like, are you interested? And I was like, well, yeah, because it kind of, if you have a someone in there who doesn't know the game, you know, they either stop stuff or they're just clueless, you know. Yeah. And, um can't have your medical personnel be scared of what's happening or yeah. uncomfortable with it. Right? And stop fights early or whatever mm-hmm. else. And so mm-hmm. he's like, hey, do you want to work? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, it was nice. So I get to sit ringside yeah. and uh, watch the fights That's and right. take care of people and be like, no, you're okay. Like, Hand out some Band-Aids. Once you're there, buddy. Like, yep. you just, you got beat up. Like, your pride hurt, but I can't do anything about that. And yeah. Go train more and uh, drink less. So, mm. but, um, yeah, so. Don't drink before fights or do drugs. How far out? What's the No, line? I mean, like, people were doing it right before the fight. Like, uh, it depends on the drug, wouldn't it? Well, like well a, little, a little tiny bit of yeah. coke. So, I mean, actually I did fight a guy who was methed oh. up. Um, he was doing meth right up to, and that was an <laughs> issue to deal with. Like, it's just, I mean, he's a good wrestler and stuff, too, but he was, he was fucking off the wall. <laughs> So you, you fought in a cage against a guy that was high on meth. Yeah. And the, so at that time I was like, Jesus, like this dude is, I've never felt anything like this. Then I find it, and it bothered me for a while. Cause I was like, what the, you know, like, what's going on? I find out he ended up being friends with a guy, um, that I knew like a mutual friend. And he's like, Oh yeah, dude, he was just, I was going, I was like, Oh, <laughs> still uh-huh. beat, which sucks. Like I should have been better than that. And, but yeah, I was like, well, he felt like he was on another level than he was. He it was, was yeah. I'd never, you know, was never ex- like experienced someone my size like that. Yeah, you know. And now, like at work, we get people in all the time that are on meth and K two and everything else. And like, I, it's different for me. Like, I, I still like it. people. Uh, I tell people at work, like, you guys need to learn to, like, you guys need to train. I wish I had people training now, but I use it stuff from all these years at work every night. Like oh, there's yeah, a night yeah. that I'm not in the emergency department that, you know, someone comes in and we have to, we have to wrestle in that. But you're not just going to grab the arms of a meth head and tell him to calm down yeah. and control the situation. It's not how that's going to work. Right? Hey buddy, just yeah. take some deep breaths and <laughs> everything will be okay. <laughs> the life coach approach doesn't work with yeah. a meth head. <laughs> I know you're having a hard time right now. What I'm hearing from you is that you are high and not happy. <laughs> I can empathize with that. Please let go of my shirt. Yeah. Uh, do you, 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 <laughs> did you lose that fight to the meth head? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I took a, I, he was raining down on me. I think I was actually like my, one of my first losses. Um, I believe. One of your first losses. You had a win streak right off the bat. Oh it sounds God. like. Yeah, it was, yeah. What did you win? Like the first three or four or five was, or something? Yeah. It was quite a few. Yeah. Nice. Um, but then it was also, yeah, but I mean, it was also things were changing then too, because it was before you'd fight people from around here, and then you know, uh, things were kind of opening up. There were more people coming from say Canada or you know, Chicago, and and the money was there more, so they were able to bring people in and pay for, you know, pay for opponents to come in and those types of things. And yeah, game was changing. So, yeah, the game was definitely uh, changing, and um, as UFC was bigger, strike force. Um, Elite X, Elite FC, Elite XC, whatever it was. And, you know, Japan was blowing up, stuff like that, too. So it was a interesting time to kind of be in. I, I don't say, like, kind of the heyday, I guess, of 
of when things are really changing and, and right. kind of is fun. What, what are the federations now? UFC is the one we know the best and mm-hmm. then there's IFL and then like one. Yeah. Bellator. Oh yeah. Bellator. Right? Invicta. Yeah. Um, what's the one Caitlin just signed with? I, it's IFL, right? No. PFC. PFL. PFC? PFL. PFL? PF, PFC was one. Pride okay. Fighting Championships PFC. Yeah, that's right. IFL was the International Fight League, which was like yeah. the team thing. So PFL. Oh, yeah. Everything boils down to alphabet soup, man. Yeah. I hate it. And, and so like on that, like so around here, every promotion was like extreme yeah. something. Yeah. And it was never like properly spelled. It was with X extreme yeah. and you know, it, everything was I think every promotion around here for a while was some avenue of going off of that. And yeah, and then it all started with Extreme Championship Wrestling, the ECW. That's right, <laughs> and it's still just as fake as all that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pride and then uh, One One FC and uh, Japan did a lot of crazy stuff, and uh, I had a coach who was over there for a while. And if you want to hear stories, find someone who fought in Japan and trained in Japan and to the actual Jesus <laughs> <laughs> they got something in the culture over there where they it's amazing even that uh what's that show that was on FX it's on Netflix now like the extreme championship showdown or whatever do you, do you know that one Polly? is it like an obstacle course thing and oh, it's yeah, just yeah. teams of regular people and they run them through these ridiculous things they're just smashing into stuff and getting bent in half that's like, one that has like the two announcers that like yeah, ridicule them and yeah guy guy lefebvre or gay lefebvre is the mic guy yes. on the candid on scene yeah that's just like a game show over there and it's these people take ass beatings in these things like so then yeah you say the like official fight leagues they're probably gonna be bad man like bad news yeah and that was uh it's kind of those things, you know, talking with them. And you can see it in their fighters, especially when they came from over there to here. Yeah. God, they don't seem to have their edge as much. And it's like, just so you guys know, we're not testing for substances. <laughs> just so you know, there will be no testing yeah, yeah. ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, it, which... That was one of the things with like in the pride contracts back in the day, right? Like there was wording that was, it may as well have just said, please do steroids and perform better, right? Well, you're paying these guys yeah. good money yeah. to put on a fabulous show. Yeah. You want them to be, I mean, they would pack stadiums over there. I mean, that was, it's huge. Like the U.S. has never done anything like that with, with fights and stuff. And um, their culture and everything else, I mean, their culture, you know, like the pro wrestling stuff over there was phenomenal and still is and just tons of show. And, you want to give fans a show. You want to keep them coming back, but you also, you know, like, I mean, there's there's substances here everywhere. They're just saying, like, look, we we know you guys do it. Like, it's almost kind of like leveling the playing field of being like, you know, he's gonna do it. Well, no, you can too. And then, uh, you know, they paid him handsomely for it. And no, but you're kind of more likely to get everyone to do it than everyone to not. There's always gonna be one guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of a sad commentary. Well, but you know, it's, it's those guys too. Like you want the edge. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll find a way and uh, get paid more when you win. Yeah. Well, there's you know, there's that, and then they would also have the, you know, Bob Sapp versus 
Oh, yeah. 160 pound fighter. Don't say a bad thing about my boy Bob Sapp. Babu Sapp. <laughs> <laughs> Is he taking dives in the last five years? Is that like what his career is based on? He gets well, paid to take dives. Okay. I don't, I don't know if he's taking a dive. Like Bob might not have the best cardio. Yeah, I was gonna say his gas tank wasn't or technique. Big. Yeah. I mean, so is he taking a dive necessarily? I wouldn't say that. I mean, I guess <laughs> is it the standard in the last few years that it's agreed upon that he's going to take the dive ahead of time? I guess. I think he knows that he's not yeah. going to win. Yeah. And there's, you know, that goes back to that psychological part of, they might not say like, hey, Bob, like, yeah, you're going to dump this guy, but he's got, you know, I don't know if he can last more than 30 seconds or a minute. And yeah. I don't know if he even trains, you know, guys like that, they get to a point, they're like, well, whatever. Well, that, I guess that's kind of why it would make sense. Like, I'm going to get paid to show up and fight and I'm going to be handed a little extra under the table to lose the damn fight and create this David and Goliath timeline yeah. and whatever it is. I love him though. Oh, I don't know why. Did you? Uh, <laughs> so I think it was Rogan years ago had this guy on from the East Coast who talked about um, he came up with the substance that Bob Sapp had used. Did you ever hear any of that? Or was it like a Belco Labs thing back in the day? I don't remember. That the, was a Barry Bonds had the connection to Belco Labs. So this guy, but he had been involved with Olympics, like Olympians and everything else. He would basically. Mm-hmm. Find out what the testing was. Yep. Create a substance that would eat you know, like a yep. little bit different, yep. you know, and work the molecular compound. And so Bob, um, I don't know if it's called like the juice or whatever, yeah, but Bob would buy it in like the gallon <laughs> yeah. where normal people would buy like you know, yeah. a little vial or something. They get it by the ounce. So you get it in, in like a, a deodorant roll-on form, so it's <laughs> so, just right to the <laughs> and. Uh, and so he was just talking about how Bob would, you know, was just using so much of the stuff. But yeah. I just, that guy's just a monster. He's a house, man. And uh, he was here. There was an all-women's card. God, 2006 or 2007 here in the cities. I, was, I had kind of helped put all of this stuff on there and get it get it going. And he was one of the, the guests. So we have pictures with Bob's hat. Yeah. <laughs> It's like your head and the top of your shoulders and the rest of his torso yeah. next to you kind of thing. And he's as wide as the doorway. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's just, but like just a sweet kind. Sure. Sure. Know, I bet. Yeah. Human. And, uh, why do you need to be a prick? Yeah. Well, when, you know, like, would you pick a fight with that guy? You I, could probably take that guy. Well, that's just it. Like, I but you, you wouldn't, uh, you run a risk in any fight of yeah. having them, hit you with the hammer of Thor. Yeah. His <laughs> hammer of Thor has a lot of weight behind it, man. <laughs> yeah, you'll see it coming. You know? And you damn sure better get it's out of the way, It's just like, right? you know, it's like, does Matt do Muay Thai? No. But there's, you know, there's a puncher's chance, which I think, like, with Jiu-Jitsu, there's less of that, you know. There's kind of like the... Trust me. The uh, the one guy, <laughs> it's one of the guys I work with, he's a black belt, trains Spartan. He's actually one of our ED physicians, one of the attendings. And uh, we, we talk a lot at work about Jiu-Jitsu stuff and that. Yeah. So it's, just, it's amazing. Um, kind of helps time pass, but also just like the philosophy behind it. But he, he says like, you know, if you go against a guy who even knows nothing with, with striking, there's still a chance he's going to wing it and, and put you down with grappling. If he knows no grappling and you know, grappling, you're going to, yeah. like, he's not going to be able to zero chance. Yeah. So 
I can wing a big heavy leg toward your head and get lucky mm -hmm. and put the lights out, but I'm not going to get both hooks in and take your brack and sweep me and take them out. And yeah. yeah. So he, uh, he was talking about that and I was like, that's a really, that's a really solid point. Cause yeah. you know, you talk about closing the distance and getting, you know, getting grips and getting control and everything. And I think there's not always the philosophy behind like, why am I closing the distance? Like, why am I getting to them before they get to me right. type of thing? And that's one of them. It's like, because if you're within a striking range, yeah. you, can get you might be out. And if you're out, you can't defend yourself. And like, it might be end game for you. you it, know. It, it seemed, uh, th this actually I'm very curious about because you've done a, a few fights. If we're tangled up grappling style, mm. um, you know, and I got, I've got you mounted. I've got one arm isolated up above your head or whatever, but you've got that other hand and you're throwing shots at my head. Mm. How effective are those shots? They're not. Um, it's the cumulative damage thing, but, but like in a real fight, like it's kind of good money after bad sort of thing, right? Yeah. So the thing like, so I've used, like I did a lot of striking from the bottom, like from my guard. That was one thing I did a ton of was just elbowing yeah. my opponent. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they'd be in my guard or actually had a guy who was a title fight about 155. He had me in mount. I tagged him with, with a few elbows that end up kind of rocking a little bit and rolled over and took it back and finished him. But um, when you're punching from that position, I think the, the thing is, like, if the person doesn't know what they're doing or if they're not used to being hit and realize you can't really hurt them, what they're going to do is they're going to back off, they're going to switch their weight, they're going to ignore maybe your hand or they're mm -hmm. going to bring their hands up to protect themselves, which gives you an opportunity to, to roll or shrimp or get away. Yeah. You know, um, if I've got you mounted and you're trying to hit me like that, and it's like, eh, fine, like it's, I'm right. going to hurt you. But so someone who's trained and you're trying to hit them like that should know enough that you're not going to be able to really do anything. Yeah, I'm about to sink in a head and arm choke yeah. anyway. So, so I'll take away. like, I, and you're under like when you, I feel like when you fight, you get this, like I'll take a few shots to finish the fight type of thing. Or right. like, I'm, that's the other thing is like, you have to realize like you're going to take damage. And, and we had this conversation with our security people at work and they're, violence training is like if there's any physical confrontation you have to understand that you're gonna take damage like it's just part of the game mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to accept that and so with that it's like oh, okay yeah you may like tag me with a five percent power punch yeah but it's i'm gonna, gonna be finish annoying. you so i'll take three or four shots to finish you yes um or to you know kind of in jiu-jitsu you set moves up with other moves and you may let them hit you a few times to think they're doing something and then at one time you throw the arm by when you go to punch and head and arm choke him or, you know? Yeah. So if you, uh, if you know what you're doing, it's not, it doesn't do much, but if you're, you know, if someone's mounted on you, that's clueless and you start hitting them, I feel like they're going to start backing off and it gives you an opportunity to, you know, to, to do something. Yeah. What, what's the guy's name from Spartan that you referenced? Sam Stelflug. Sam Stelflug. Yeah. He is a, uh, very unassuming, um, guy he's i don't know how long he's been a black belt he's super tall i feel like i was telling him he could probably darse me from like six feet away he's just <laughs> got these super long arms and uh he's yeah. been around he's been around for he trained the academy way back when um he actually trained with ish uh helped shirk and thompson all those guys get ready yeah. for fights so he's been in the game if you want to talk to someone about like the history of minnesota and the yeah. fight yeah. holy shit and he remembers everything sure 
Like it's amazing. Um, and we were, so we were both around kind of the same time, but he was you know, north of the cities. I was south of the cities, right. you know, but, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's got some sweet philosophy and he works with, uh, Tom, Tom Menton, who's the St. Paul officer. He's a black belt who does a lot of the St. Paul police. St. Paul police have like their own training area. Nice. For BJJ. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So I think Tom is the one who started it. Um, work on SWAT guys and everything else. Let's explain go explain to the world why that's good. I, I have an answer, <laughs> and it's, it's, but it's my answer is like one dude's opinion from sitting right. back. But t- tell the world why that's good. So this is actually something we started. We've got a lot of officers that train with us now, and so while I was on the fire department. Um, I try to talk to them too about a lot of this, but you see a lot of these videos of uh, a wild guy. Um, and it just happened on what six ninety four a couple months ago, or or last month, two months ago. Oh, uh, yeah. The guy was beating up on the trooper. Yeah. You know, and so you have trying to remember the details, but I, um, yeah. Then a bystander pulled over, ended up helping him out, and it was a broken park. Yeah, that's that it. Seems was right. North Where of the city's here somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you see these videos, and actually watch a lot of them about you know the, the police do this and that. And it's working in security, working at the hospital um we have to control these people without hurting them right mm-hmm. or without using deadly force yeah or you know even tasers and stuff like that have the it, you taste somebody there's, there's a, a pro and a con of that um part of the cons being they might not connect they might not work if he's on <laughs> meth all that stuff right yeah um yeah, or sure. it connects and he's got a heart condition and then you're, no, you're you know he's you're just, or who knows and then the have you as know, many options. The media gets a hold of things. it, yeah. you know, and so even just a simple arrest on someone, knowing, knowing your body position, knowing how to approach somebody, so even if they hit you, it's not going to be effective, right. you know, like staying kind of to the side and angle, being able to control them, using as little, like I like my thing with just is like I want to do the most to you possible with the littlest effort, mm-hmm. like uh, and not use any energy. Like if I can the least amount of energy I can use to tap you or, or to control you, the better. So with the police training this, one, it's the use of excessive force and violence and everything goes way down. I think St. Paul, I don't have the official numbers, but sure. I believe they actually showed that, you know, use of force and other things has gone down since they've been doing this training. But it also stops things from these these arrests that go bad, you know, where you've got six guys laying on top of someone. Like, mm-hmm. it shouldn't take you. Like, if, you, if you're not a control someone it shouldn't take you that many. Um, and then, you know, the, the rear naked choke or the vascular neck restraint as the police refer to it as gets a <laughs> very interesting, um, rap cause they, they feel like when you're cutting off the carotid, you're going to kill yeah. them for some yeah. reason, but it could be possibly one of the safest yes. ways to control someone because, you know, you, you put them out and they're out for 10 to 15 seconds. That and you're you, hugging them. They're not going to fall right. into the ground and all that. It gives know? you a lot of time to cuff them, control yep. them. But, you know, I, I could see if your loved one is getting rear naked choked, you'd be worked up. You well, go from that angle. That's that public awareness thing of like, there's a difference between a choke and a choke. Mm. Like if I crush your windpipe for 30 seconds or a minute, <laughs> this is a bad deal. Right. That also means I don't know how to do a blood choke, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right? Which means, like you said, you're out of it for 10 seconds we cuffed you and got me in the back of the car like that's the best case scenario Mm -hmm. for me to know how to do that if it's my job to control somebody 100 percent. but 
if you if I want you to do that as a department, I have to invest yes money, substantial money, because you know. So at the hospital, they do this. This is a violence training. It's a three-hour course. When you start, and it was just it was ridiculous. Like if they do this to you, you do this, and you do this. So they have security there too, and like this is how you take someone down to do this and that, and. So they're doing it to me, and the guy that was running it was a wrestler back in the day, and he's a big guy, and so he has the two security guards take me down. He's like, can you move? And I actually, like, wrapped up this guy in a rear naked choke and started taking the other guys back this way. And he's like, whoa, 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 let's stop right here. And I was like, what? Like, what? You know? You asked me to move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, uh, we're just going to we're gonna stop right here. And, and one of the person asked, like, well, if they have you in a choke from behind, what can you do? I'm like, well, there's, there's really no answer to that. You know, you just kind of hope for the best. And I was like... I worked, I worked on it like, twice hey, this week. Bro. Hey, like, no, you know, and and those things yeah. give a people such a false sense of security. Yes. It's like, well, and that's why, like, these women's self-defense classes make yeah. me want to punch somebody. Yeah. Like, whoever's touting it of, like, I'm going to teach you to defend yourself from every attacker possible in four hours. Yeah, this this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Like, listen, Rex Quando. Like, I don't care how hey, many pairs oh, of, hey, hey. of Zubas that are American flag you have, like. <laughs> It, but these people believe it, and I feel like it gives them a huge yeah. false of right. false sense of security. Of like, oh yeah, if they grab you, and then when you try it on them, they just freeze. They freeze, yeah. which goes back to that that mental training. So having police like police train jujitsu, um, it helps with de escalation tactics. It helps with them keeping centered, calm, keeping their heart rate down, respiratory rate down, because yeah. when all that stuff like physiologically starts amping up. Your decision making skills go to shit. Yes. Like you, you know, you go complete caveman. Yeah. Um, your tunnel vision hits in. You don't know what's going on around you, and so if you have that, and then you think of like shooting. Like if your heart rate is up, your tactile senses are down. You're trying to see. You have tunnel vision. You're trying to shoot a suspect. Like in that aspect, like you might not hit them. You may hit God knows who. So you like, forget to consider what's behind them exactly. and all that stuff. So I think like with the jujitsu, why it's important is one, it's teaching them how to deal with the, you know, deal with these suspects properly without resorting to these, you know, hit them with a nightstick or, yeah. and that you have the aspect of physiologic response and training their mind and their body to appropriate. You have the stress release, which is, you know, it, which is why like, you know, with PTSD and the military and stuff like that, why all this helps so much. There's the physical aspect of like touching and that, which helps with dopamine response and everything else in your body. It creates camaraderie, which in the police with your partners over else is big. But then like, there's just so many aspects of this that, that can help when I feel it's important, but you have to have the departments that'll put in time and money and support it. And you have to have the guys in the department that are willing to do Correct. it is the other element. It also goes back to your, your team sport thing. Like, it's a little bit more of that. I know the guy next to me can handle himself, mm-hmm. both psychologically, emotionally, right. but also, like, if we go there, I know I've got a handy dude next to me, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do the same for him. And they'll cover my ass, and, you know, I mean, it's the military's that way and everything else. We've got a couple of St. Paul officers that train with us, maybe a couple of security guards now, and the one guy Paul said to me is, like, I can see on camera that you're there. It's like, all right, well, things will most likely be handled, right? you know, and then if he's there too, it's like, well, he's a strong guy and he knows jujitsu as well. And you, you just know what's going to, you know, he knows what I'm going to do. I know what he's going to do and how to control these people or trying to medicate them and, and uh, keep everyone safe. So I think that's, that's hugely important. And then like you said, having someone that also knows it, you know, like Mike Nimelos, he trained, mm-hmm. you know, some of the Minneapolis PD mm-hmm. for a while. 
uh, years ago. Um, like Sam worked with the St. Paul guys, and then they have a dedicated guy who was kind of their head thing. And then uh, we've been doing that at, at Top Team with Jeremy. You know, we've got quite a few officers from, from you know, Ramsey County, Dakota County, Farmington, Egan, Edina, um, Richfield or Bloomington, and St. Paul. So nice. you get a good group of people in. That's how it spreads, right? That's how the, the skill set and the ideology yeah. spreads. And hopefully, you know, these people take it back and then other people will kind of come in and mm-hmm. be like, you know, this stuff, this stuff does work. Cause it has also a very, a delicate balance with ego and things too. Of, yes. You know, when you, when you bring them in, you have to not show them how much they don't really know. But I think it's yeah. anyone that comes into this game, um, cause people are, I mean, people are fragile in general, like ego, especially men, yep. um, is there extremely fragile and you kind of have to like it's okay to lose it's okay to tap like don't hold on until you get your arm broken like yeah let it go man (laughs) and and like raging isn't going to help you get out of that position it's time to tap buddy yeah i think you you could take all those same points and just extrapolate it out to regular people you know civilians or however Mm -hmm. you want to phrase non-police officers non-security not that you know you're stepping in regularly into a situation that's gonna make these skills seem paramount, but like they are, they might be at some point. Like if someone's throwing a big old you know canned ham of a fist at you, <laughs> what do you do? And if you if you've drilled it a couple times a week for a handful of years, mm-hmm. your emotional state, your ability to respond to that is gonna be better, and you'll be safer. You know, it's everybody. Yeah, it's that. Uh I mean, how much in jiu-jitsu do you, so you tell a new guy, like, dude, fucking breathe. Yeah. Stop holding your breath. Like, and, yep. you know, I try to equate it back to, like, lifting and aerobic versus anaerobic and lactic acid and everything yep. else. But I try to tell people, like, are you really tired? Yeah. <sighs> like, it's been 45 seconds. Are you holding your breath the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you need oxygen, yeah. dude. Like. The Krebs cycle and, and, and that's everything well, else, and <laughs> that's, that's like the it's a it's a a bad instinct, but it's like an inborn instinct to tense and hold tight and <laughs> oh, good luck, man. You know, yeah. if, if this thing's gonna be done in ten <laughs> seconds, that makes sense. That's actually how we coach, you know, lifting like mm-hmm. in powerlifting. The bar's not fighting back; it's not trying to kill you, and this rep's only gonna last like seven seconds anyway. So yeah, hold your breath. Oh, but I still hate it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, you know, you know, in a, in a situation where like this could be a second, and I need to think clearly and respond, like you said, you know, I don't remember how many times like Dave Scora and some of these guys you know, breathe. And I was like, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I'm just fat, bro. Like I'm used to one big heavy rep. Like lay off me. But also, yeah, I help, I'm known to hold my breath once in a while. And uh, you said equating to just life in general. So, um, if you have kids, you know, or you roll up to an emergency scene, or you know, something happens, like having that ability to be like relax, like stay calm, or talk someone else through it. Be like, listen, like I know, like you're in a lot of pain right now. Whatever else, like keep breathing. Like try to slow your breathing. We work on that with you know, we have people at work who are in a ton of pain. They're hyperventilating, and then they start getting you know tingly fingers and everything from from that it's just like slower deep breaths like try to work through it like in for five out for five like working through these things with people um i think you've you know like with my wife like she trained jiu-jitsu for a while now she's i mean she's been with me for fuck, 14 years now of the fight cycle and you know my kids grew up in the gym and stuff like that 
And so even she like benefits from that and like just calming down, breathe, you know, and we talk about things like that too. And even with the kids, like when they're super worked up, like take a deep breath, like try to lower things, like explain how it physiological affects you. I think if people deal with that when some asshole like road rages at you or, you know, takes your milk at the grocery store, you're not going to fly off the handle as much or if they do there's the best is like when people are just pricks to you and you sit there and you just kind of like smile it's just like you know i I mean i've at work i get called i mean the names like people come up with and everything else it's it's amazing Mm -hmm. like it's actually enjoyable sometimes but it's also weird like you leave work it's like god i didn't get threatened or called any names last night like weird fucking night like it's the odd thing but you know, a lot of people get worked up at that, and I'll actually kind of step in and like give them a break. I'm like, I'll deal with this guy, like, just chill. And yeah, but it's just that, like, call me names. Like, I, I mean, I have started laughing at some of them sometimes. Just, it's like, that's kind of creative. Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> Make a note, good one, start building a stand up yeah. routine with some use of this stuff. People, um, there's actually a guy who called the, the Mexican guy that I work with, and he was calling him Donald Trump, and he's like, me? He's like, I'm Donald Trump. I'm Mexican. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> drugs, man. Like, drugs do yeah. hell of things to people. Don't do drugs. But, uh, or do the right drugs. Yeah. It's, you, know, you know what? Seriously, like, if you're going to do drugs, just fucking smoke pot. Yeah. Stick to the, the sensible For stuff. For God's sake. Like, yeah. K2 and meth and heroin. Like, the amount of ODs we have right now from all this shit. Like, is, is it up just from your observation in the last year or so? Um, those things. So COVID, I mean, COVID definitely affected a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are coping. I mean, COVID's been fucking tough on everybody. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a lie. Like, we're social, like social creatures. Yeah, you definitely. Know? And uh, that's why you and I are and, sitting here. That's why I started this. Yeah. I think um, was, did you hear me explain that? I did. And I was actually like a little bit of a tear in my eye. Yeah. Well, it was, it, a, it was like a moment where I just realized, okay, if pictures are going to speak to people, then let's speak to people right. and speak to people, you know? And it's huge because you don't, there's no opportunity really to chat with people. And uh, I was actually reading a thing today about um, Zoom or FaceTime and how there's like how that actually negatively affects you. Like there's like fatigue you get from these constant video things. And there's actually there's a, lot, like, a lot of psychological effects because you feel like you have all these eyes on you constantly. And it talked about like even like their proximity to the camera and like if they look larger or smaller. And Sure. And so it was, it's not a perfectly analogous experience for the human conversation because there's... It's like you're always on. Like yeah. All these eyes on you and people get self-conscious. It was really interesting. And I was like, I hate Zoom meetings anyways. You know, like there's one, that the quality of sound and yeah. and you're, you're lagging yeah. and people talk over each other. But Just shouting into their laptops. <laughs> it's not, that's not how we talk to people. <laughs> and uh, actually, I have a meeting with um, one of the internal med directors and I asked him, like, can we meet in person? She like, I'm available by the phone. I was like, no, can we Let's like, meet this. in person? I want to get a feel for you. If I want to work with your group and things like that, like you have to have that. Like interviews, like my, my nurse practitioner job, but one of them I have now, luckily I got in while they're still doing in-person interviews. And after that, it was all like phone interviews and online. And I was like, that's garbage. Like you cannot get a sense of a human. Yeah. And when you're working in a team, especially like emergency medicine, where you, you have to have that cohesive culture, you got to, yeah. you know, you got to, you got to be with people. There's something to be said for being able to see and feel someone's presence in a room, especially if there is any kind of risk on the line, right? right. Like there might be a situation. I want to know that somebody stands up straight and sort of mm-hmm. holds themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's so interesting. it's, uh, 
yeah so with with drugs and everything else like we've seen an uptick obviously mm-hmm. and people are having a hard time coping and people are like well you know are they though or is it really that different it's like well you guys have to realize that for the homeless which is our normal population you know they the ed is the only place they have to come for people that have health insurance health care those other things like one they probably have better coping mechanisms anyways or they have more you know, they can get a hold of their primary like i'd be interested to see like how many people now are on uh you know, SSRIs and the yep. other antidepressants and, right, right. and those things. And I know I'm sure alcohol consumption's up yep. astronomically. <laughs> you know. It's like without question. There's all those pictures of, of trash pickup days and oh stuff in the first few months and suddenly everybody's recycling bin is full and overflowing and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true though. Like when, if, I mean, I'm used to working out. I mean, I trained daily. You know, when I was in, in competing in ad, it was twice a day sometimes, stuff like that. And, even now, like, I'll message Jeremy, like, dude, we got to we gotta get time in. Like, I can feel it, like, the stress from work and everything else. Like, if I'm out for five or six days, like, I I need that, that physical relief, but also that social response, like, that touch and everything else. And I talked to TJ about that. You know, he got pretty involved with We Defy, mm-hmm. you know, working with the vets and PTSD. Um, he asked me, he's like, do you have any info? And I got him some, got some literature in that and just how human touch and dopamine response and, um, yeah. I was going to do a talk on it for one of our e-med things, but uh, even with like physicians and nurses, like even just putting your hand on a patient, yeah. it elicits a response, but also elicits trust and other things. So you have this like, neurotransmitter chemical reaction. And I think that's something like with jujitsu. I mean, you built some strong relationships in, in uh, with this. And some of it has to do with like, you're with your best friend, you're punching each other, choking each other. And you know, there's that, there's the camaraderie, but I feel like there's a huge social thing, just like even like shaking hands, like shaking hands has an effect. Um, and how you shake hands also has an effect. If you want to start like looking into it and, and reading, it's super interesting. What do, what do you mean? Tell me about it. So like a firm handshake, which I'm sure you've experienced this, like you get, you meet someone, you good firm handshake, you know, like, oh, well they're sure themselves or at least, you know, you can kind of tell a little bit about that. Like, you know, they're, um, they've got some strength or they've, you know, you can feel their hands, like if they're calloused and everything else, like, oh, this guy's worked their hands as a mechanic or a laborer or whatever mm-hmm. and those types of things. Um, it's kind of a sign of respect. And then if you've ever shaken someone's hand, like, you know, females too, like I, some of these females like shake your hand. It's like, not yeah. that they're any, we, you know, weaker, but typically I think it's like men shake hands, women don't. There's this weird, you know, thing yeah. there of yeah. that. Cultural but, stuff, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I've had some guys that shake my hand that is the most uncomfortable feeling they like I'm trying to think of like how like they almost like take my hand in between like their thumb and yeah. like their fingertips like and it's this weird like, like thing, yeah. limp loose yeah. <laughs> like it makes me like it's like a visceral uncomfortable yeah, yeah. feeling and it's like alright like is this like you don't respect me type of thing <laughs> or like you you're not sure yeah or it's like are you fucking me here are you not sure of yourself or you know it's just it's weird and then i was reading uh so donald trump would pull people's yeah arm the to them yep. and put his hand over it and that's a show of dominance yeah, i think it was like dominant. putin or something like wasn't having it and i was like i would love to watch that back yeah, yeah. and forth like yeah. and then i'm like there's a couple of clips they should you arm can wrestle find. yeah good <laughs> <laughs> look arm wrestling like over the top guy, yeah uh there's a couple of clips of people not playing that game yeah. with him yeah He's also the he would slide stuff away when they'd sit down at a table for a meeting. Like he'd slide your water bottle away, 
and that's you know it's like castling your fingers you oh, know there's all those happen. postural things oh, that but that, and that goes to the thing you were saying about you know doing interviews via skype rather than in person like i want to see how you stand i want yeah. to see how you sit i want to see your mannerisms that's how you get to know people yeah. you know because yeah you see stuff like that and you go mm, three strikes get out of here and that's why like with masks it's yeah. i think it's been a, a, a so jeff lokes is the guy i work with he was an ert saw all the violence everything in the ed he, um, he runs a nonprofit that is uh, special teams charities. He was an army ranger. Mm-hmm. It's a super interesting story. So is that he, the name of it? Special teams. Charities? Yeah, special teams charities. Okay. So he Look grew up. up with a, a black family in the inner city, mm-hmm. um, and then he went to the uh, you know, army rangers and stuff like that. So he actually identifies with like a lot of the inner city black stuff like that really sure. well, even though he's like the whitest dude ever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but um, so so he was an ERT, saw the violence, switched actually become a security you know, a security guy. And his big thing was like with these masks, he's like, I miss seeing people smile. I miss seeing people's faces. Yeah. And he actually like, I think he kind of went into like a, a depression almost or kind of like it really started affecting him because right. he's a very personal guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a fire department, you know, firefighter and everything else like that. Does a ton of stuff for the homeless, like raising money. And, um, when I did fight to win, I actually donated everything from all my ticket sales and everything to his charity. Good. Um, that. and then, uh, his the last thing he did now, I think they were they were getting money to buy shoes and everything for like people getting out of jail that don't have any shoes or clothing. So he's he's huge in a lot of this stuff. Like Love just that. amazing human. Um, but he's like, I miss seeing people smile. I miss handshakes. I miss hugging. Facial expressions. And yeah, and like, you can see so much from that. And yeah. I think like over this past year, you know, and even even that thing about like Skype and Zoom meetings, you do miss some of those those facial expressions, those micro. Yeah, yeah. You know, changes in that and. uh and it, it's, I think it's been hard and it's been something that a lot of people struggle with and, you know, like not seeing a smile. Like I, and oddly enough, though, like when I'm at work now, I try to say hi to every, like when I'm passing them, you know, coming in or out of work, I try to say hi to everybody because just that little bit of interaction and catch people off. You can't smile at them anymore. You yeah. Can't, like, or you like exaggerate the yeah. eyebrows and <laughs> just stuff. awkward. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling here. Trying to see compensate it. for the fact that you can't see it. Yeah. If, if I ever shook your hand, um, which I'm terrible at, like, social graces. <laughs> you might have noticed that when you walked in here today. I, like, waved and kept, well, yeah, kept but stuff up. You know, uh, I've met you before, though, too, and stuff yeah, like that. And, I'm you know. guaranteed to take a good, firm grip, but then pull the index finger in and tickle the inside of your palm just to throw people for a loop. I, I pretty like much it. do that every time. I like it. That's awesome. Because you can go firm grip, you can go like wet noodle handshake, or you yeah. can just go full deliberate creepy. And, I love and, it. And you know exactly what game we're oh, playing here for amazing. the rest of the day. Amazing. <laughs> and you get a good feel like the person, like, do they laugh? Or yeah. they like, you know. Yeah. Are you too uncomfortable with me doing that? Because that's a red flag. <laughs> Are you completely, you know, the whole deal? Or do they do it back? Yeah. <laughs> One of the guys I work with will like come up and. You know, he, he was in the military forever, and I feel like they have this just mm-hmm. open air of confidence and whatever. And like, stand next to me, he'll like reach around, like put his hand on my butt. Yeah. Like, I'll do the same to him, and like people be like, oh, like no. Like, you, like yeah. people just get like so uncomfortable, yeah, and it's yeah. it's entertaining. It's like, yeah. why are you so uncomfortable? Like, you're not involved in this. Like, <laughs> what's the deal? There's got to be a different set of rules amongst bros and yeah. i don't even mean men but bros like you know there's an agreement between paulie yeah. and i that we I interact know. a certain way and it's fine you know as long as everybody's on the same page yeah but people see that and they're just like well it's okay. <laughs> we're fine with it i don't <laughs> care <laughs> no something if you're uncomfortable yeah pause gun
is there any other way to play volleyball? He's like, fuck, why am I friends with you? <laughs> this is why. Well, that like, movie is the top gun for hockey. Nice. Yikes. Oh, uh, that might need to be refrigerated. Oh, what is it? What, what's in it's there? It's a, so, kind of like weird, like just trying weird things. It's a yeah. smoothie sour by Coastal. I've what never the fuck? had that. That doesn't them. need to be refrigerated. That needs to be fucking but open. I've never, I don't. I can't say it's delicious. I've never yeah. tried it. But so Jared Beck and I, J one usually uh, like we'll buy beers and like yeah, like, I'll see you at the trade, gym. Be like yeah. here's your six pack. Yeah, we trade back and forth. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's why I try. Cause I've never been like a huge. Who who is it by? Co- Coastal Sunshine. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I've seen them, but uh, yeah, I, I can't say it's good. So if it sucks, I got nothing. Um, it's all good. I very rare. I'll, I'll go to the same fucking restaurant, get the same fucking thing, time, oh, yeah. time and time again. But if I walk into a beer store, I'm grabbing a four pack I've never seen before. Yeah. It's, I, I'd rather just try something new and not really like it than drink it, with the exception of these Summit Sagas. It's not, yeah. And I'm not like, so I, I generally like, I like Imperial Stouts and Dark Beers and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I man. don't like IPAs. It's never been my thing. Like this, yeah. actually, I was just like, oh, it's not make me want to vomit it's it's, it's approachable it's yeah. not overly like uh, smoothie-ish it's not overly bitter it's good yeah. enough I jason's giving me a couple jason likes ipas and he gives me shit because like so i'll I, you know i the fuck all else to do so i'll be like oh buy a four pack of this and try it yeah. my wife likes yeah. sours and uh like brewing projects and amazing amazing ones from wisconsin i get those a lot but um so i'll trade back and jason's like do you drink ipas i'm like nah, really like no in fact, I'm not a not hipster douchebag. So not a no. thing. And because uh, I was giving him like just stout and porter after stout, and like it was always yeah. like yeah. clown shoes and all those good ones that are just like oh, yeah. I have got. <laughs> I was like, how much beer do you have down here? Because I'd find shit and buy it. You know, like we went yeah. back to Pennsylvania for a funeral, and I found stuff I've never seen before. Nice. And so I'd buy it, and then one of the other guys I worked with at the hospital, we did the same thing as me and Jason do. So we constantly training back and forth yeah man you know yeah nice to try a bunch of stuff and realize like this sucks this sucks this sucks yeah and uh well and like 16.99 a four pack like you don't always want to buy it but if your buddy buys it and you trade him a can you know you know what i mean yeah. it's, it's more fun that way and, and then you get to try stuff that you wouldn't buy really and or you go total wine and you just take one off of the four pack can you do that? It came off. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, can you? I'm like, yeah, I don't want all four. What if it sucks? I just want one. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, <laughs> over lunch today, actually, I had, there's a little local kind of pub dive bar in New Hope near here and uh, pub 42. And they got, they had three, three different years of stone brewings, Russian Imperial style. Oh man. 2013, 2014, 2015. It was damn good, man, as to be expected. But the, uh, I bought a, I found a bottle at High High Vegas, random shit every now and then. Yeah, they had one of those, and people like Stone's never been a like their other stuff. And like, eh. I bought that, and I was like, this is one, one of the shit. Russians. Yeah, it was really solid. Russian Imperials are my like that's yeah what got me on. And the problem was I had bought a uh, uh, Distille Brewery has their Privier okay. Russian Imperial. Yeah. Like, and to me, that's like the pinnacle of Russian Imperials. Oh, sure. And, oh, uh, I had it. I'll just check it out. I bought a four-pack, and I was like, I like stouts. And I drank one. I got home from work, you know, 7, 30, 8 in the morning. Drank one. I was playing video games or whatever. I watched TV before bed. I'm like, I'll have another. Had another. I stood up, and I was like, <laughs> oh. Whoops. Like, look at I the, looked, look at the like can. 13%. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> fuck me. Like, I had no clue what an Imperial was. Yeah, yeah. 
sounded good. I don't oh, know. I mean, yeah. it's like Russian stout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got to be. I had no clue what imperial stout was. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, they do one at they do. It's not a Russian imperial. It's a it's a lighter colored, lighter bodied beer at um, Inbound Brewing in Minneapolis. Man, I'm not going to think of what it is, but it's like an annual release. Mm. And I just kind of blindly distracted, walked up to the bar. That one sounds good. Give yeah. it to me, you know. And and I'm like dehydrated from the day, and it was delicious. So I ordered a second one. And I'm a beer guy. I'm a beer snob guy. So the fact that they handed me a 10-ounce pour should be the what indicator the fuck, that this one's a good one. Yeah. It's a big one. And I'm like two in, and I, I did the same thing. Stood up and went, whoa this 300 pounder is uh feeling a little bit of tipsy happening and they'll catch up to you real quick i did that with sours originally i was never like a huge beer guy and we were out i think they had duchess i was like sour beer I'm like i like weird shit and your bulldog like i'll take one of those i was like like it's legit like i can yeah. like beer and my friend was always trying to get me to get like try side pan like dude fuck oh. you know <laughs> it's not your he, thing it's not your thing and he uh yeah, he'd always bring me all this stuff. I'm like, dude, it's not, like, doesn't do it for me. And then, like, with the sours, I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, this is strong. Who, who <laughs> like, does the sours up in Fargo Moorhead? Is it Drecker? Or is yeah. it is it Drecker? They do all the sours? They just released a collaboration with um, whatever the one does, like, all the little fancy pictures on one. But they had a, they do some sours. And they, um, and Sari's and Egan. We used to be a sponsor of mine because I know I know the owners there now. They've got a really good relationship with Drecker. Yeah, you know Ramsey. Yeah, so I've known him for years. Um, we actually used to have like shirt release parties, like my fight shirts there, mm-hmm. which is great. That's cool. Like, huge PR for them, and right, yeah. you know he'd always give us like hella deals on food and drinks and everything. Yeah, yeah. He'd be uh, it was a good time, but yeah, they've got a really good relationship with Drecker, um, and he somehow gets a ton of rare, weird shit in general for beers. So if you want to come like down, if you, if if you, you come down to Egan, it's like yeah. right down the street from my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you ever have to use fight skills, jujitsu skills on the job? I know the answer to that is yes, but I guess I'm I'm itching for a specific example or two. Yeah. So, and at any level of the job, <laughs> that could be now nursing. It could right. be you know when you were. An ambulance driver, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say now more than ever uh, in the emergency department, and seems to make sense. It's not. You know, I'm not like don't get to like rain elbows on someone, right? Any of those things. <laughs> um, a lot of it has to do with like body posture, positioning, and then like anticipating. So I have a rule, like in in general, like. If for I understand what happens a lot with the people is they're they're on whatever they're you know meth or K two and these other things and they're they're being violent towards staff and so I work charge nurse trauma nurse a lot there and so it's kind of my job to oversee like respond to everything and oversee and then obviously like I don't trust our security because I don't think they're well trained enough and so I take my staff safety very personally I actually did a huge like violence study and these other things to get stuff going um, in the hospital a couple of years ago. Um, like a ton of research and stuff on it. I actually wrote a paper about it, but so I take like our staff safety paramount. Like, so mm-hmm. our staff safety comes above patient safety to me because we can't care for people. Yeah. And it's kind of that, that mass casualty triage type of thing is like your safety is first because if you're dead, you can't care for yeah. others. Everyone else is dead too. So it's, it's extremely, uh, like I'm passionate about it and I really take it to heart. Um, 
and so when patients start getting violent and acting up stuff like that like it's i'm just there like right in front of them and my rule is if you're squaring off you take one step towards me it's go time like you make one motion aggressive towards me like if you just stand there and you're yelling whatever like fine like we'll give you a little bit of time to go back to your room calm down like you're probably disrupting the little grandma who's septic next to you and i'm kind of getting irritated about that but you know you made poor choices did drugs and we gotta figure out a way to manage it but once you make an aggressive motion towards me or staff then that's it like it's your chance is over and you're going down um so we had a guy who was actually after my shift he was uh I was familiar with him. We've had multiple interactions, but he was in, in this room, and uh, I was clocking out, just talking with the charge nurse afterwards about a few other things, and I don't know why I was there so late, but I hear him yelling. I was like, oh, here we go, and he, the doc left the room, and he came out after her. And I was like, no, this isn't happening. And so I work night shift a lot, and we we police our own stuff very different than day shift. Day shift, I feel like, waits on security. Night shift, security can be like five minutes away sometimes. We've only got like four to six officers sometimes during the night so we police our stuff fairly well and we're you know we handle things very frequently and uh so i saw kind of what was happening he's like threatening her and coming out of his room and trying to follow her so it's like nope so just step right in front of him it's like you you're going back to your room now like you've got one chance and that's it he's kind of arguing i was like all right i'm gonna ask you once more nicely like you're going back to your room and so he's kind of kept going and so like my go-to from MMA and everything is like standing body lock takedown you know like wrap behind pull in and uh he raised his hand to like point at the dock and continue threatening her life and I just done like just smoked him to the ground and picked him literally picked him up in that position into bed it's like you've had your opportunity and the uh security everyone else is kind of just standing there and it goes back to that like they just they, they don't engage or kind of have that like knowingness and, and when to engage and what's going to happen but you know you let it go to a certain point and then he made that one motion it wasn't like he could have punched it could have done whatever it could have been nothing but he just added that extra aggressiveness on and so that's it like you, you your options are expended and you know I think we give people a little bit too much time sometimes to kind of calm down and go back at the risk but it's um, you know and then he also got medicated and put on a hold and everything else but we go hands-on frequently people trying to leave or else they come in by medics and they're just fighting you know and things like that but it's uh that's you know kind of one instance that sticks out in my mind of just the initial <laughs> the frustrating part was like everyone else kind of stood there like usually you like you work with a team so long you know when it's time to go and time to grab and it's almost like a you know unconscious like both go at once and people grab limbs and stuff like that but um well but with them and and with the security guys like if you aren't like fully conscientiously confident in your abilities to handle that situation you know yeah. or you don't feel like you've ingrained yourself with certain movements responses skill mm-hmm. sets like that's why you hesitate right because you don't have five six years of training in this or that mm. and that's you know we discussed just the confidence and and thought process and i feel like they feel i don't know like they can't do things sometimes or you know like well i don't want to touch the guy whatever else like it's it's him or us like you guys need to realize like you let this go too long someone's really going to get hurt and you could have prevented it 
And when that happens, like, how are you going to feel inside? Like, yeah. you know, we, we fight people that have you know, got broken bones and lost teeth or whatever else. It's like, if you could have prevented one of your coworkers and friends from getting injured and you didn't, like, how are you going to feel that night yeah. for the next month? Like, how's that going to change your view on things? And Well, and you know that your response, or you know, in that situation, the good guy response is going to result in, like, neutralizing the situation. Odds are they're response or their movement isn't like they're going to look to hurt somebody or you know if it's drugs who knows what they're yeah. looking to do right? right but all i want to do is pin them down what they want to do is the wild card mm-hmm. right so you have to preemptively step in right yeah and that's why like for me i like that body lock takedown because your head goes to their chest so your face is protected your head's protected yep. you got under hooks you know so they can't swim in you uh you're kind of you're breaking them down the point of their spine and using head pressure to break their posture so they lose their strength. You know, it's like you can't deadlift with your back all curved and everything else. So it's, it's just that knowledge of, like, this is how I can incapacitate him to my best ability. If he swings, he's, what the hell is he going to hit? He might hit something, but it's not going to be anything powerful. Um, well, and, like, Daryl behind you that hesitated and didn't help out couldn't sit there like you did just now and list those things because right. he hasn't trained it. Right. He doesn't understand the dynamics, he or she or whatever, doesn't mm-hmm. understand the dynamics of a, a physical altercation like that. So they're terrifying. It's a, it's a, it is a wild card for that person, you know? Oh, yeah. And even though they have a taser or whatever else, like, yeah. it's just they, they don't have that, what, 17 years of right. at least an hour, an hour and a half a day, right. sometimes more of physically fighting someone, yeah. you know, and, and having that and not being, you know, any, any size or shape that comes through. It's like, well, you got to... You can roll with this guy today. All right. <laughs> huge, yeah, huge guy comes in. It's like, oh, all right. I'm going to work this. But I look at it. I was like, awesome. Because like yesterday, we had all like heavyweights in. Like It's like, Jeremy, are you starting heavyweight gym here? Like, yeah. what's, what's going on? Because <laughs> I missed the memo. Where all the little guys go. Like, I was like, do I need to like get some DECA or something? And, yeah, like, right. Put on 40 pounds of muscle or <laughs> be part of the cool club? And uh, But like I look at stuff like that. And it's like, this is good for me because this is like the possibility of clientele that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. If I can handle this guy, mm-hmm. I can handle this other, you know, just those different yeah. body types is huge for me. And so I look at it as that like a challenge of like, all right, how can I, like, yeah, he's a brick and super strong. How can I kind of, you know, navigate this and negate his, his strengths. On Saturday at M theory in like the essentials class, we we're doing stuff from Mount. So working on getting a different arm bars and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it was a live go around, and I don't ever pick partners. I just, I just sit back on my heels and wait for the numbers to work out. Yeah. That oh, yep, you're available, rock and roll. Because, because I noticed early on a tendency to go to the same like five people, mm-hmm. same big dude, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It, it would, it's just this weird thing in my brain. So I just stopped. I don't even look around. I don't even make eye contact. Basically, wait for like <laughs> oh, that's my partner now, you know. Right. And it was uh, a kid a gal she's like 11 or 12 and it's like her first week or two in adults class you know she's finally like a little bit older and bigger than everybody else in kids (laughs) class and she weighs literally a third what i weigh and we're working from mount it'd be great for you it'd be great for both of us she's she could sit on top of you and it's like this is nothing yeah (laughs) well and it and it is like an eye-opening experience for both of us in some regard like how accidentally dangerous i could be oh, to wow. another person just via gravity and then <laughs> like i 
I could be a representation of a real actual threat to that oh, person. Yeah. 100%. You know, and if I'm the type of piece of shit to be a threat to someone else, that's exactly the ratio I mm-hmm. want. One to three, let's do it. You know, and so I'm sure there was some eye opening. If, if we were to read through the journal entry from that night, I'm <laughs> sure there was like some real honest reflection of like, holy shit, that's a different situation than the other kids I fight with, you know. That's an, and it just goes to this repeating theme we've been talking about. Like, that's an important moment to realize how can I handle that? Yeah, it's very realistic, you know, like that's in society or, or wherever, like you don't get to pick your opponent. Right. And, you know, what, like you may have really helped her in the future if, if someone does, you know, it's like, well, I can handle this. Like, I don't have to worry. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know what to do or what it's going to be like. You have that little bit of an example of how to, you know, kind of manage those things. And you've safely brushed up against that very real possibility. And probably the worst one of having yeah. someone you yep. know, three times every position. Yeah. And it was, you know, and it was, Ish was standing right there. It was all smiles. It was all this, okay, here's, here's a fun yeah. situation. You know what I mean? It's, it it's like the friendliest possible way to approach that. You know, so even if you've only ever had one rep of that situation, it's better for her. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, actually. That's that it gets to that like the edges of the cool thing about jujitsu and stuff is like those little teeny tiny little data points and lessons you pick up. I think for you, like it enables you can still practice the move, but it makes you very aware of body positioning, body movement, weight distribution, like those things. So that's why, like, you'd be like, well, I don't want to go and have you guys on to like it. I get it. Like, it sucks being squished by a huge dude, you know, and things like that. But you have to, it is what you make of it. Like, you can bitch and moan about it, or you can be like, hey, this gives me an opportunity to figure out where my hips should be or where, where, where is my weight right now? Like, how can I use this to my advantage or how can I, you know, do these things? And I think people get frustrated in the sport a lot. And I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Is like, I like fuck, it's, today sucks or this or that. It's like, oh, yeah, today sucked. But <laughs> what. What is there good that came of it? Like, yeah, I got tapped a thousand times, which is probably the most useful teaching lessons right. if you reflect on it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just the mentality thing. Of, like, it's why I like jujitsu for some people, and it's not for some people. If you, if you aren't able to be comfortable with your own, you know, shortcomings and, and those things and figure out, you know, like, I'm a big, I really like stoicism and kind of the philosophy and, and just mm-hmm. looking at things like, yeah, shitty things happen what good can I come of this? Like, yeah. what can I learn at least or, you know, for the future? That's yeah, your life is. experience is your interpretation of the things that happen around you and to you, right? That's yeah. stoicism, right? And it it really influences how you view your life, yeah. like how, like, the trajectory your life takes. Like, yes, these bad things happen. I can either dwell on it forever and be a miserable shit to be around and no one wants to be around me so I'm going to be lonely. <laughs> or these bad things happen, great, I'm going to, prevent them from happening again and uh move forward and you know be a strength make it into a strength you know take this weakness and improve on it so so how long you been doing jujitsu if 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 we can like definitively define it would you say like or maybe when did you start at the academy how about that yeah so we did trying to think of my kind of lineage here so we did um was a team bison i want to say that kind of are they still around? No, in no, 2007. Okay. That kind of, like we said, we were interested in a garage, man. We yeah, just, yeah. Just rolling, and uh, we ended up going to Burnett's gym, which we found out that the reason everyone was getting sick is because there was actually, like, black mold in the ceilings and everything. Yeah. They closed the gym and the bar and everything down. Right. <laughs> it was kind of a, I fought once at uh, 
Elko outside, and like I always had like I had cardio for days. Mm-hmm. Well, I end up beating this guy. It was like the second round, and I was just dying after like coughing, coughing, and coughing, and everything afterwards. I was like, yeah, what the hell? Like I had pneumonia or something, man. Yeah, coming to find out, like one guy got super sick, and that's what it was from. And, like, yeah, it was like mold in the ceiling, and everything else there. And so we had a uh, bicycle sound. It's amazing how quick that kind of oh, stuff. Nasty. You breathe in one little spore or whatever, yeah, and that's the end. Kills you. So um, from there, I think we kind of went to. I think Gorilla Combat was around or whatever, like a Muay Thai. And I trained with Damien Hurts a little bit. He had his own uh, place there in Eden Prairie. And then, like, life and school and everything else kind of, you know, it move around some and things like that. And I think then is when Ambition opened um, in Burnsville there, or Egan, whatever it is. Um, when Sergio Kuna came in, who was probably, you know, like, another like amazing coach like as far as like making you confident bringing stuff out in you and giving you like you know giving those abilities um so the money for ambition uh, was this guy he kind of he invested and then kind of what their what their fight was and he decided he was gonna break off from them and start his own gym which where sergio went because he was kind of on paying sergio so i went there uh, it was a minnesota fight factory that's when i fought for bellator and stuff like that and then uh the guy that was, you know, the backer for the gym and everything just we came one day and the doors were chained shut and locked up. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, okay. This is, this is awesome. And so yeah, then, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crap. And so then I think a few of us that were still, like, competing and training, that's when we went to the academy and, and uh, started training. So, I mean, we did jiu-jitsu. It was a lot of no-gi. A little, little bit of stuff with, with Damien Hurts at his gym because they were gi only pretty much. Um, but I didn't really start doing gi until the academy, so I'm guessing that was, oh, 2008 or nine, maybe there, maybe 2010, who knows? Well, no, probably 2010-ish, so, until it was just straight gi, you know, really working a lot of gi stuff, and, and that, so I did no gi forever, and, you know, was catch wrestling and all that other stuff, and then kind of got into the gi probably 2010, 2011, which was, uh, miserable, as can be. <laughs> Why is that? Well, uh, one, I was getting my ass handed to me by everybody. <laughs> yeah. I all of a sudden had grips everywhere yeah. that were never, I mean, I was, right. you know, pretty good. By that time, I probably had 20 fights or so, you know, and I thought I kind of had a handle on things, and I'd go with a white belt and was struggling. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. You know, and, they, and it was kind of about that time, too, where they're saying, like, you guys should be training gi. You know, and then I go, why would I need to? Why would I need to? And I was, even still, I feel like it's a huge argument. Like, up oh, yeah. the past yeah. five years, it's like, why would I? Like, because you fucking need to. Like, if you can defend it in a gi, then no gi is nothing. Yeah. Like, and uh, if you do boil it down, it does seem like, okay, I've got like six handles for someone to use, or I've got seemingly infinite handles for someone mm-hmm. to use. Which one's going to force you to develop the skill set? You know? And they choke me from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's happens. also in the last five to ten years more gyms who exclusively train nogi or you know the majority, right? Yeah. So the the argument continues because right. they're still kind of testing both sides, right? Yeah, and I can say like it's you know like once you get collar choked constantly, everything else and realize like all right, my hands need to be here, you know. Yeah. Then when you go to nogi, it's 
it, it's substantially a different game for you, and I think, you know, it improved a lot. I still, like, with the Gi now, like, I still, I, I try to, you know, I tell Jeremy this and everyone else I train with, like, I still try to work a lot of my game around, like, real life, like, fighting and, and stuff like that, you know, and I still, like, after school's over in May, I'll probably fight again this summer if things are back to normal, just to, like, I've had the itch and cool. get, like, a good fight camp together. I'm talking to Caitlin yeah. a lot about it, and, uh, it's, so, I mean, I've always trained that way, like, for real life, and so I know people do sports jiu-jitsu and everything else, which is cool, like, if that's your thing, your competition, awesome, like, mine is 100% real life, like, I want to be able to control people, and I'm probably not going to go inverted, really, and I'm not going to go inverted if someone attacks me on the street, and, yeah, yeah. you know, those types of things, but, um, I feel like the gear just applies to a lot, and then Minnesota in the winter, and coats, yeah. and, well, and even just t-shirts, yeah, that, that you can find like videos online of people saying, how do you do a cross collar choke if someone doesn't have a big lapel to work with? You grab the back of the shirt, pull it around. And you know, you know what I mean, I mean, if you really need to apply it specifically, it seems like it'll work. If I can grab a hold of something, I can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of the spirit of jujitsu, isn't it? <laughs> we'll 100%. An answer. And so I've gained, like I hated gi for years. Like it was a struggle and just a like sludge fest of getting there to like, fucking gi. And they're really hot, Fine. too. Yeah. <laughs> it was just nothing else, right? Just uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like the last couple of years, they finally have, like, comfortable geese. Like, the game that's 550, it feels like sandpaper and it's 10 pounds. <laughs> you know? Like, but, I've like, now, like, I I really like the geese. Like, I really enjoy right. the technical aspect. And especially going with, like, people like Marcus and that. Like, you want a fun match and really, like, challenge yourself. And, and for me, a lot of it is now it's, like, thinking. It's, like, what? do this here this there like where i put my feet my hands and grab um let's say probably the last three years or so maybe like i've really gained appreciation for it and enjoy it but you can also slow down huge guys it's something else i appreciate because you some big guys to go with if it's no gi they can kind of plow and everything else with gi you can kind of slow the game down and and take your time or with little guys that are fast too like sebastian those guys you slow down the fast guys you can get a handle on the big guys etc that's what i've heard anyway yeah and it i feel like it makes you have to be more technical like you can't get away with as much sloppy stuff you know like i can whip this arm bar fast or quick well maybe not then And, and so it makes you tighten up your game a lot and rethink things which i appreciate you know, it's that, that constant challenge and which in how many years now I still feel like still know nothing, but there's <laughs> always somebody around the corner waiting to make you think you know oh, nothing. It's every day, which is also the good thing though, too, is like if you're training somewhere where you're not getting tapped, you're not the right place. Like right. if you're the top dog, you're not improving like plain and simple. Like you need to be going somewhere where someone's challenging you and pushing you unless you're okay with just not, you know, you're just having fun. Hey, do your thing. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. But like for me, like you, I, I got to be pushed. It's that like working dog mentality of like, I need something to do. I need to be challenged, or else you start chewing shoes or peeing on the rug or something like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know gotta, exactly. I gotta have mean. that. Yeah, the challenge. As like last Saturday was the first time I went uh, into M theory for a couple months. My gal had a surgery. And it kept getting bumped back, and we were mm-hmm. like, well, let's limit the potential exposures yeah. for a little bit, you know, just to make sure we don't drag it into a hospital, for God's sake. <laughs> and uh, I showed up just for open roll, which was probably a mistake. Um, and there's, like, you know, a good number of people there, and three of them or four of them were south of Purple Belt. 
Like that's that's where you want to be. You yeah. know what I mean? I almost turned around and left, <laughs> you know, but his party is like, dude, I don't, this is not what I want to do. Get some more white belts, you know, but like, yeah, like you're about to learn something every single time because that whole room full of people dominate you if they want to, you know, and that's a huge psychological hurdle. Yeah. Like coming in as a lower belt to the shark tank, you know, of there's a lot of really good people here. Even if you try to avoid a probable ass whooping just by stats after round three yeah. or four, you're going to have to man up, you know, and find a brown belt. But that's like also that, well, that thought process of like, if I take that ass whooping, like if I want to get better, this is how it has to happen and like appreciate that, like, you know, and come with that mentality. Cause there's a ton of people come in there's like, oh, I do it. Like you look around the gym. It's like, Oh, everyone's two twenty. Yeah. <laughs> God, like my my ribs are gonna hurt or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like, you know what? No, like I'm gonna work on X Y Z. Yeah. Like if they're big, fine. I'm yep. gonna not let them pass. Like they can may get me inside control. They're not getting them out. You know. I'm gonna I'm right. gonna work on regarding them constantly. I'm gonna work on this escape or this escape or you know what? I'm gonna make everyone like I make everyone start on their feet. Like that's because well, <laughs> well that's. <laughs> Somebody sits down, stand up. Oh, I, I do, hundred percent. Yeah. Nope. Let's go. And I'll just back away. Like, fine. Like we just won't roll. Yeah. I'll take you a round off. Playing Whatever. this game. Like, <laughs> you you don't start on your feet or you don't start on your butt anywhere. Like, if this is real life or competition, like, you know, you start on your feet. And if your takedowns suck, well, it's your fucking problem, not mine. Like, learn. Like, yeah. Get better at them, and because that's how, like, my takedown. I never wrestled or anything. Like, that's how my takedowns got better. Was constantly grappling and clinching and everything else and I want to improve and if your game sucks from there then it's my strength your weakness if your strength is on the ground on your butt why do I walk you know I don't want to walk into that well like, like you said that your purpose for training is real life stuff and and a guy sitting on his butt isn't an opponent isn't a threat not right threat. <laughs> it's not even you know <laughs> like we, walk ha- away. we haven't started that yeah, yeah. Like quite, butt, quite literally like, there's no reason for me to engage you yeah you know, like, why am I going to come into your realm where I can just walk away and be done with this? You know, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's just my, I don't know, I like that. And I think it, it makes people better, too. And it challenges me because once they get better at takedowns and, and grappling, you know, clinch and stuff, then it challenges me more. What is sort of a pervasive thing in, in BJJ? Like, okay. it's ever agreed upon we take a knee or we go to the butt or whatever. So it's pr- probably a worthwhile cultural challenge like i'm not that guy stand up yeah you know sort of force the reps of the thing that you're dreading working on oh they get people don't get super uncomfortable but hopefully they recognize that i'm just sitting here talking to you and i was uncomfortable (laughs) we're not even going but it's amazing once people do it and you you don't have to like not like i'm gonna freaking throw you like i'm not gonna be working on uchimatas and sotagaris and stuff like it's just i'm gonna work in like an underhook and kind of go to like you know like clinch because for me, it's getting into a safe area where I can control you and then nicely take you to the ground. I'm not, like, you know, suplexing people or anything. It's All my takedowns are really controlled because once I hit the ground, I want to stay super tight to you and not give you any movement. To, you know, if you have an inch to move, I want to take up that space because I don't want you to be able to regard or anything right. else. Like, when I take you to the ground, I want to keep position, stay super tight, keep you uncomfortable, and just work into where I want to be and submit you. So if I'm loose and sloppy... It gives you position to get out or reverse or sweep me or whatever. So everything, it, it, 
we've really changed to a very slow and deliberate, you know, method with that and, and keeping just super, super tight with it. What takedowns do you like then? What, 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 what am I most likely to get victimized with when you force me to stand up with so you? So no matter your size, I'll mostly try to, I'll try to swim in, get unders, and use kind of that body lock, break down mm-hmm. backwards. Yeah. Um, I've been doing the low single where I first saw it like mid-2000s. Jeremy Horn did it. He, he like backed up to the fence acting like he was getting like rocked, like dropped to the ground like he got knocked down and then like shot forward like put the dude's uh, like kind of ankle shin in his, against in his, his shoulder. shoulder here. Yeah, yeah that's the that weirdest way. thing ever. Oh, if you saw somebody doing that and knew nothing about it, you'd be like, what's he doing? But you can't not go down. And it's amazing. It's it, it's a wrestling thing, right? Like the yeah. wrestlers, Nimlos yeah. does it. Like I remember, there's a there's a dirty fucker. There's a way. <laughs> I got stories about him. <laughs> He's coming on, so he'll have his shot back. Uh, there's a a wrestler who's a blue belt started around the time I started at M Theory, and he, you know, he warming up with takedowns, yeah. right? And he did yeah. that. And I was like, "What in the fuck was that, dude?" Because he's way smaller than I am. Exactly. And I'm That's like, why he does it. Nothing I would have done to stop that from happening. Because yeah, like, I didn't. I didn't but. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess we're starting here. Like, I didn't wrestle or nothing either. So, and he did. He also fireman threw me. Fire, fireman carry threw him, me. Man. I was like, that. I don't know what you did there, but it seemed like Impressive. it took some courage. <laughs> also, my shoulder hurts. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that that with low ankle pick is not what you call it. Is that what you call low it? Sing- like, end up as low single. Yeah, low it's super pick, weird. Again, if you took showed that to anybody, they'd be like, "That's dumb. What are you doing?" But good luck stopping it. That's that's like my especially with. Guys that are bigger, you know, like yeah. Jay, like Jay Wan or Jeremy, like they're just that much stronger. Like, you know, and they know my game. They're not let me pummel in for clinch or something. You know, like mm-hmm. they know that's what I want, and so that's my go-to because I mean, if you're if your foot's planted, you can't you just can't get away. Like, yeah, your best thing to hope for is like. Once you hit your butt, you can somehow get a guard or right. something or try yeah. to control them. But. Yeah, you don't want to try to turn away from that. You're going to crank your own knee. You yeah. know what I mean? You could just go down. You so, have a choice. I love that. Um, doubling has never been my, like, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's a mental block of, like, that blast double, like, getting in and, you know, like, I've never felt comfortable. Those scare me in a crowded room. Oh, there's that too. You know what I mean? Go like, 15 feet. Yeah, you, you, it's not going to just happen in that four by six no. space that we all have. That's. That's this. I don't understand how wrestling training works. Like the, the wrestling rooms I picture from the high school I worked at, from my high school, like it's it's a room loaded with people. Yeah. You guys are working on double legs. Like, how's there enough space for that? It seems really dangerous. Hitting heads, whatever. Yeah. Good lord. What's yeah. what, what what then? What you hit um, me with the low ankle? Then what? What am I going to endure? There, I'll just work in side control and you know, like work on head and arm stuff like that. The other. uh yeah, what I do too, if I can get some type of clinch or whatever, or like a single, I do, um, mm-hmm. if I can get the T position on you, like my goal is eventually in competition or fight is to hit a hip throw on someone. I swear to God, I'll probably just walk off the mat in victory after that. Like if I ever just like <laughs> get T position, just like blast somebody with a hip throw, I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Finish the match. Nope. Nope. Uh-huh. That's my victory. Walk off throw. <laughs> Closest to judo I ever got. But, uh, I just said that. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, but that um, we get in T position, then you kind of do that. You uh, block their far heel with your foot and drop back. You kind of like spin them down. I don't know what the what yeah. move is exactly. But you're in like T here. Yep. You kind of like grab their hip, block their heel, and you 
yeah. basically sit down that's right. and spin them in. That's a good one for me because I'm heavy. My leverage works really and it's well. Super there. controlled. Like, yeah, I love it. It's great. The worst case scenario, I make you land on my knee funny because I'm not executing well. Right? Are we thinking of the same one? Yeah, I mean you can. I mean, if you really mess it up, I guess you that's like, what I mean. Pull yeah. them into your guard, right? But if you do it right, you have like amazing side control, yeah. or they try to roll, you got their back, or you end up in mount, or like, yeah. it's just one of those controlled, super tight ones where you're I'm maintaining you super close to my body, and no matter how we land, I'm still in a lot of. You got a lot of options yeah. when I get there, yeah. So that's why I like I like those ones. But yeah, you you probably won't see me shoot a double unless it's against the cage or the wall. <laughs> You know, but, uh, yeah, I like, I like clinch work a lot and I've, I mean, it's just from the, like a love of Muay Thai and doing it for so long and, and those types of things is, and then standing up at this distance from someone is kind of where you're at, you know, and if they do try to punch, like how can I protect, close that distance, get into where they can't strike again and, and those types of things. And that's what Jeremy and I work a lot on together, um, Mickey's really getting an appreciation for that. And then with the officers that work with us, that's kind of something we discuss is that, that distance and protecting, protecting then connecting, you know, like yep. how can I keep from getting knocked out, but connect to the person. And, so uh, I can control them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I had a question for you. Oh boy. <laughs> Why do people keep doing this? That's Don't nobody want to hear from me. To be. <laughs> no. Um, I think I was listening to Caitlin uh-huh. and you guys talk about it and it's something we hear talk about. So talk about like performing, you know, and I think her thing was like, if you have a coach who never fought, they don't get it, you know, and uh, that experience of being in front of a crowd and everything else. So my thing is, is, and I think about this is like, cause of the powerlifting, and everything you do. So if you do it down here by yourself, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And you have that internal struggle and mindset and everything else you're kind of fighting. And you talked about like the importance of doing it in front of a crowd, you know, and going to these meets. So with the meets, what it made me think of is kind of like fights, like it's a social aspect to it, right? Like you're doing it in front of other people. And because of that, you get, you have people cheering you on, you know, you have that nervousness, like that little like kind of twitch in your stomach, your heart rate's going. But because of that, you kind of have that, that boost of, you know, you, like the dopamine and things like that. And that kind of like happiness, like, yeah, like this is it. That's what it is. How much do you think that helps people perform to hit that that peak they've never hit or that max those other things like that little bit extra like jacks them up like the best pre-workout ever you know like they people yelling at them and a whole crowd cheering like yeah you know hit this or whatever how much do you think that helps i think it's it's probably a roughly a bajillion percent (laughs) strong assessment it's it's huge is i mean you felt it i'm assuming oh yeah in in the cage in a fight the difference would be that there probably isn't anybody in the room that's against you. There's at least one when you're in a fight who ain't <laughs> cheering for you, right? Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. Even even somebody you might be like jockeying with for first place and again at the higher level competitions mm-hmm. you get to it might be different. But seeing somebody lift something heavier than they've ever lifted under the pressure of the moment is there's nobody in the room that doesn't respect that and isn't cheering. Right. And it's gigantic. Um there's actually a really common thing for people to walk off after their third attempt, even after, you know, we said we were going to do 105 kilos Mm -hmm. and they were like, well, 107 and a half, most regional local competitions is two and a half kilos of jump. And they're like, well, one, 107 and a half, uh, will beat so-and-so 
like what they pulled, you know, or whatever. Right. And, you know, for whatever reason, you say, let's go 110. Screw it. And they'll walk off going, that felt so easy. You know, and their, like, lifetime best was, like, 97 and a half kilos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, because it is, jump. it is exactly what happens is in that moment and the rush of it all, and you kind of go blind. You know, it's like a flow state thing. Yeah. You know, um, you don't see it. You don't feel it. You don't remember much of it. You know, pe- people could have been standing right in front of you taking pictures, saying your name. You never noticed any of it, and it happens a lot. And that's like for my hardcore competition people, but then that's for people who are just sort of trying it. It's like this forced effect that like the, you know, it's a fight or flight kind of response. You know, the, the, the base physiology takes over and you lift the damn car and save the old lady sort of thing, you know? Um, so yeah, a a massive percentage, the, the, and a little less than it used to be. We've had a couple meets since COVID and Mm. the only people in the room are like the lifters, their coaches, and that's it, right. you know, but there's still uh, a good crowd and a great energy and it, it helps huge, you know, like my squat rack in the corner of the basement there, you're never experiencing anything close to it, no matter how like face slapping, yeah. Pantera <laughs> blasting, psyched up you get, it's it's just not the same, Yeah, you know, so it's huge. That's awesome. I don't know if bajillion is the exact mm-hmm. integer, but it's close. Nice. Do you prepare, like I feel... Like a lot of like I experienced this a lot with like just psychological stuff for fights and there have been fights I won that I probably shouldn't have like just because I had the right person prepping me and the coach like Mike Riley was one of those guys like fucking or Sergio like fucking invincible like I would fight anyone you know like they give me this mindset it's like okay let's fight four people whatever like it'll be fine and there's been fights that I've lost just because I know like the coach and the mindset wasn't you know like it wasn't there and didn't happen how much do you work on? Do you prep people psychologically and, and kind of work those aspects of things? Yeah. Uh, it It's a much simpler game. I think it's something I said to Caitlin mm-hmm. when she and I were talking about this because the bar isn't fighting back. Gravity's fighting back mm-hmm. and it's in one direction and there's no feeling or right. <laughs> anything behind it. You know exactly what the response is going to be. Um, so we do it through repetition just like you would training for a fight. I'm you know, repeating these same movements and responses over and over again but the response to those things is so much simpler Mm. um the main thing is is simple cueing and and coaching people to get good at knowing their level of exertion knowing what hard feels like and we use that we use rating of perceived exertion a lot of times you know is it an eight out of ten meaning like i probably could have given you two more reps nine out of ten is one more rep you know loose metrics to Mm. use and you basically just get people comfortable with what it feels like to be crushed under a barbell. You know, Fair. like I know, I know if I have Micah Ferris mounted on me and he's gotten one elbow away from my rib cage, I know that's going to suck. Mm. And I'm going to hate every second of that, but I know there's a way out even if I'm not so good at it yet. Mm. So I can just stay calm like we were talking about and work my way out of it. If I have a barbell on my back, I know that it might slow down. I've experienced a bar that slows down. I've experienced a rep that got slightly out of position. (laughs) I know how to correct it, and I know to stay calm, to hold my air, Mm. and to keep squeezing my ass and drive up. 
you know, right. it, it's as much like practical movement coaching as it is the mindset. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if I need to tell you, that's like the, the, it's kind of a going joke is like meet day coaching is like the easiest thing in the world to some regard, other than watching the timing of warm ups and go do like what you that. do. It's literally, Hey, you know, somebody's walking up to like their personal best all time deadlift and you say, Hey, uh, pull that really hard. You know, what the fuck else am I going to say? You know, like <laughs> Lift the don't, weight. don't stop. And it, with deadlift, actually, it's funny. I use that example because with deadlift, I usually do say more. And it's the worst thing that happens is it doesn't move or you drop it on the floor. It's not above your throat. It's not above your spine. They'll fucking pick you up if you pass out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a spotter behind you. They'll catch you before you land. Like, just fucking go. Yeah. You know, and it. It, it's so well practiced each of those three lifts i mean you've got a hundred reps a week of each lift for a lot of people sure. for a huge swaths of their preparation there's spotters there the bars only go in one direction even if shit gets wild we know what's going to happen i mean it, it you know it's such a simple thing that just simply doing another set of triples under the bar in the gym is kind of the mental preparation, you know? So, I mean, there's some cueing and we talk about it and stuff, but Mm. largely just, Hey, you've been practicing this three days a week, fucking 50 reps a shot for three years. Go do it again. Right. You know, it's actually one of the things I like about it and why I started having like personal training clients and quote unquote regular people Mm. go try it for a sport, you know? I mean, a lot of people do 5Ks because it's super simple. I can walk and then walk differently and faster. That's what running is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can presumably sustain it for some period of time. Except I came in and I was like, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Let's go do this. It seems way more fun, you know? And people loved it. So we started doing it. And part of it was the simplicity. You know, Olympic lifting has such a long arc, you know, to get to proficient mm. in you know, a full snatch is just Ugh. for a lot of people, just years, you know, like you're, you're literally three years in and kind of starting to feel good about it. Not a lot of people have that. scares me. <laughs> yeah. You know, do it for a lot of reps too. Um, but like powerlifting is so approachable. I mean, again, it's just, it's what I dig about it in terms of, cause I used it largely as a vehicle to take personal training clients and, and regular folks and have this campfire in this big box gym that I was working in, you know, separate from my own mentality about things and my own competition pursuits and just have a way for people to have an outlet. And it's super simple, you know, now you take, you know, 185 pound, you know, five foot four gal who's trying to crack the 500 pound deadlift line okay it's maybe different once mm-hmm. you start getting to more kind of elite efforts sure an elite level grit let's say right yeah. um but largely it's just the the practice and the repetition that brings your head to that space you know with those people that want to hit that 500 pound mark that elite are they do you see them come in already with that minds like they're that kind of that person already like they're competitive and then yeah, 50 50 you know the one of the clients that i had compete the most was just a stay-at-home mom of two and she had showed up for a uh like a spin bike session with a trainer that i worked with at the time who mm-hmm. was into triathlons and then started creating like classes and training groups for people who wanted to try triathlons 
um, but it had been canceled and she didn't get word. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm free for a half an hour. Let's, let's go do some stuff. Sure. And she's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Let's try like a, you know, kettlebells. And she's like, well, I've never used them. I said, cool, let's try that. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I, oh, this scares me. I'm like, well, we won't swing them. We'll just take a kettlebell deadlift. Mm-hmm. You know, and she worked up to like a 30 or a 40 pound kettlebell. Um, and she went to deadlift like 275, three or four years later in a competition. Wow. 275 something like that yeah she didn't know what the fuck power lifting yeah. was you know what i mean but <laughs> once she found it she was in yeah you know I'll, I'll give you sort of an opposite and inverse example maybe there's another gal uh much younger young single gal kind of x number of years out of college sort of thing she showed up and within a year or maybe 18 months went from what is power lifting to I just pulled 400 pounds on a deadlift in a meet. And then I haven't seen her since. Weird. So she had the the gear. She had the tools. Once she learned what it was, she was in. Yeah. It was, it was rock and roll. And then there was a point at which, at which is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I still, every few months, shoot her a message. Hey, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Yeah. You know? But it's no pressure. Like, everybody's on their own path. I get it. You know, so like the, both of those are examples of kind of inverse and opposite things. Like this person, presumably, man, if if I, if that's like the equivalent of me saying, "What the hell is powerlifting?" and then pulling six hundred a year later, if I did that, I'd be all in. I'd be like, "Where's the world championships yeah. in two years? Let's go!" You know, but everybody's mindset is different. Everybody's in a different place in the world. You know. So I'd say it's kind of a, a mixed bag across the board, you know. Interesting. So we, being in the fight world for so long, and something we talked about with, they even brought it up with when people were competing a lot of jiu-jitsu was, we call it like post-fight depression. Yeah. I know like people call it like post-event depression and, or whatever else. Do you see that with, with these meets? Because we'd have guys who, you know, you train so long for this this pinnacle and you hit it, and then afterwards it's like, fuck, now what? You know, like, and especially if they, if they lose, it's even worse. You know, if they win, they're at the height of this, you know, they train and then they're this kind of center of the universe for this time and then it's over. So we tell people like, you gotta get back in the gym. You gotta get back training, get back to your people, you know, kind of keep that stuff at bay. But there'd be guys that would disappear for like a month or two and they'd be like, all right, we gotta, you know, they're drinking or whatever else. And they're kind of in this state. Do you see that stuff with, with power? Well, I would assume or? with fighting at least. You, you you literally see like the pin one of the pinnacles of your life certainly of the last x number of years i stood victorious hands raised in the air over a guy who was trying to destroy me and then monday morning at eight thirty, i was in a cubicle and i'm Joe some Schmuel. asshole you know it's that like you know at, at that <laughs> saturday night it was awesome monday right. morning i'm Joe Schmuel, just like dude. Said, yeah like that makes a lot of sense to me that that'd be a hell of a turnaround i think so I, my guess would be that there's something unique about that with fighting. Um, I think like marathoners might get it too. Like I've read about some people, you know. Like and I bet the level at which you're doing all, anything, but certainly like running marathons matters a lot. You know, the number of hours, the pace, the mm-hmm. level, you know, how you are, are in the rankings and whatnot. For, for the people that I've taken to powerlifting meets and stuff, the the shitty part is turning around knowing that we're swinging back to high reps, high volume. <laughs> you know, like it's a very administrative, practical, yeah. like, God, that's going to suck in a week and a half when we kind of start building back into it. 
I now in as I'm reflecting on it, there's been a handful of scenarios where people seem to drift a little bit. So I, I'm assuming that's exactly what yeah. it is. Kind of a post meet, like, okay, that was a thing. Now what? I said my PR. Yeah. Like it was a, the best I performed ever. Woohoo. <laughs> I got to go back to, um, you know, but it's sort of like that's life. I think, I I think there's probably a unique element of that to fighting, knowing nothing about it or having no firsthand knowledge because I particularly don't advise a lot of weight cutting for like my lifters. Mm -hmm. There's a few of them I do it with. And it's basically just when you know it's that person and they're going to do it anyway, kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Ari, uh, and it, it, it they're, they're all of the real visceral like struggle stuff isn't the same. I'm not literally being attacked. Sure. And I'm, you know what I mean. I'm not overcoming. You're overcoming, but that's that ain't. It, I struggle to draw these parallels with Caitlin too, because it's like, man, my opponent isn't fighting back. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like there, it would just be a dramatically different psychological impact to get your ass beat. And also, sure, I won the fight. Because that's how that is, right? It took an ass beating and happened to win the fight, right? <laughs> I I look like I lost, yeah. right? Um, it seems like the 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 hurdles, the psychological hurdles, the next day and the week and the month after it would be just dramatically different for that than it would be for lifting a fucking barbell. Yeah. Yes. So you well, yeah, what you're saying, and actually that might make the parallel between like a lifting competition and a fight more similar. Because a missed bench press rep was like a second and a half. Uh, a lost fight was a punch I never saw coming. Yeah. And that was the end of that. Whereas, yeah, well, with a sports game, I've got, we've got two more quarters or I've got another X number of miles to yeah. make corrections in my pace or whatever. I bet that plays a big role in it too. Like the, within an instant, one small mistake and this whole dream was done or this whole dream succeeded. Yeah. And then what's the psychological fallout after that? I don't know. But even then there's like you, you go into some fights and I mean, and so there's like, first of all, like there's some days where like I go to the gym and like, I want to have like a fucking knockdown drag out session today. Like you, you just, I, and I'm sure some people like it's the same thing too. It's like, we need to go hard today. Like we need the, you know, like you were saying, like you get beat up and still win the fight. Like there's some days like, you need that like you have this is like nope we need to throw down like we need to go hard like i need to feel that pressure i need to like kind of the pain and everything else but um which is like you know what happens and like afterwards it's it's awesome just because like i'll tell jeremy i'm like we need to we need to push it today like we you know we need to go hard you know we need to do striking or something or you just get that but there's been times like you go into a fight and you're like this is gonna be awesome like when i go three rounds or five rounds or, you know, like I want this to be a war. I want a challenge. And you end up like clipping a guy in the first minute. You're like, yeah, I won, but like, fuck. Like I, like I worked with Robert Brandt. Like we worked months with boxing and everything. I'm like, I'm going to fucking just tune this guy up. Just, you know, like work hands, boom, 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 in and out, in and out, in and out. I ended up like, like locking him in the first 45 seconds. I was like, fuck like we worked so hard on like robert's like happened those hands like shut up like you know it was just what happened is like going down somehow and and like his leg was there i just like instinctively took it it was like yeah i won but i was like man i was just i was just hoping to give the crowd like that show and just like 
you know, like that's the biggest thing is like fight to win. When I did that, like it was like, you haven't competed a while. I'm like, I got a lot of people there. Like, I want this to be entertaining. Like, even if I lose now, like I want them to be like fucking fight of the night. Like, you know, like a hundred percent. Cause you look at the UFC and stuff like that too. Like guys like Cowboy Cerrone, like, yeah, that he's a fucking beast. But every time Cowboy gets in there, you know, like this is going to be fucking war. Like Cowboy is going to go to town. He's not going to give up. You know, it's always going to be entertaining and he's been around forever. You know, he's lost, he's won, but it's like going into that mentality of like, I want to give the crowd like their money's worth and, and put on a hell of a show. I don't want people to be like, yeah, it sucks that you lost, dude, but that was you know, fucking back and forth for 10 minutes. That was awesome. And uh, so when you want that and then you get done, like, fuck. It's kind of the, it's <laughs> sort of like a, a joke meme online, but it's the expectation versus reality thing. Like you've, you've pumped yourself up for something so much bigger an experience a feeling so much bigger that when it is just what it is it's like man, falls kind of flat yeah. in your brain right so it's uh you know, so I, I know like there's there's people like when they're first competing you're going to the first jiu-jitsu competitions like i was kind of we have a little facebook group for jiu-jitsu at mtt and i was kind of vocal to saying like look guys like for those of you haven't competed like here's the things to expect or not, you know, like here's what's going to happen and it's normal. And like, here's how to kind of combat it. But, you know, go into it with the expectation of it is what it is experience. But then afterwards, like don't, don't sit and dwell because you've done something that one, you probably wouldn't have, you know, two, a lot of people never do and don't expect people to understand when you go to work, like do not expect them to like, so you lifted 400 pounds? Well, I yeah. know, it's funny you use Why that. Why the fuck do you do that? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and I was going to say, when you finish that, I was going to say all of what you're saying right now applies to a lifting meet. It's yeah. the same exact mentality, at least to that point, where mm-hmm. it's like, why not just do it in the gym when mm-hmm. it's different? Why would it's you? Totally even, why would you even lift that much weight at all? Yeah, like, they're just trying to choke you, <laughs> you, but you choke them? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you I, willingly go get punched in the face? Yeah. 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 No, I don't. No, absolutely not. It happens, and it's enjoyable, and I make sure to schedule my time around it. For, you know, most part of my life is like, here's where we're going. I'll be at the gym at these days, and these days I get to punch people. And I know Caitlin's doing like issues there on Saturdays now. You know, for like the MMA stuff, and Sundays mm-hmm. they're doing like a ground and pound and mm-hmm. send her a message. I was like, so like this next couple of weeks are busy as hell, but I plan on being there for these ones. And I actually had ACL surgery last. It was after fight to win, and then like because of COVID, uh, recovery and everything was miserable, so that kind of derailed things. Mm-hmm. But COVID kind of it worked out with COVID because you can do shit anyway, so yeah, you know, recover. Yeah. But it's feeling better, and so it's kind of getting back to the mindset of we're doing those things again. But it's just like so you do this for fun, yeah, it's fucking sweet. <laughs> can you go ride your bike for four hours a day? And I go wrestle with other sweaty dudes. Well, it, it's one of these things where. Because the the competition I primarily did over the years was strongman, which is literally like lifting rocks and carrying mm. cars. It's a circus. It's a fucking freak show. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love yeah. watching it. Once you take somebody who would look at a thing that you did and say, what the fuck? And you pull them to the inside and they see it and they feel it. Mm. Then they turn around, look the other way and say, what the fuck? Like, they just don't know yet. Yeah. Whatever the thing is. I competed in arm wrestling, you know? It's probably the thing I had the most potential for, but didn't you saw really it over the top when you were younger, right? Say that again? Because you saw it over the top when you were younger? No, I just, I mean, I <laughs> did, obviously. I ordered it through Amazon 
pre-ordered it so that if it ever came out on DVD, it would show up to my house. I fucking did. (laughs) Um, But like, but like, people say, "Arm wait, arm wrestling's real." Like you can go and do tournaments. It's like fuck yeah, it is. And they're like what? And they're like what do you mean what? Like go try the damn thing. Whatever the thing is, fucking do it. Yeah. Go get in a fight. How much? <laughs> how much can you know about yourself? You've never been in a fight. That's true. Like see how you react. Like, like you know, or pick pick a thing. Something fucking crazy. Some pick whatever you said. What the fuck to? Go Google it and find Just a chance do to do it. Yeah. And go fucking do it. Or ask the person like, hey, can I go with you? Like arm wrestling. Like, I'm obviously not like the person built for arm wrestling looking at like watching the, you know, the videos and stuff of those guys and I'm sure they have weight classes or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, they like do. that seems like it would be incredibly intense for one, but just like seeing that person's passion and that like, that's why I like the individual stuff. I, I yes, think it's same. why I appreciate it so much. It's just same. like, you have to have a drive. You have to have a mindset and be able to push yourself. Like it's, it's, it's all you like once you get like when you get in the cage, like, yeah, I've got a coach and everyone else. They're not there, man. Like it's yeah. you, and in competition for jujitsu or anything else, like even tennis, like it's it's one on one. Like you have to be able to push yourself through that uncomfortable spot to go to this meet where you might not know anyone. Like I'm gonna go arm wrestle here. I don't know anybody. I don't have any social support structure here. Yep. Anyone rooting for me? And I'm gonna go against some total stranger that might break my arm. You know, because it's competition. Like that's a special mental strength that I wish people could appreciate more. Yeah. And, and we're 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 shielded from it, like culturally and societally. You know, yeah. it's all very comfortable. Life can be very easy, very comfortable. The problem is taking advantage of that. Like that's what exercise is in general. Like I live a life, I being like the modern human being, let's mm. say modern first world, developed world human being. However, yeah. I'm supposed to say it. Live a very comfortable life. I don't need to sweat. I don't need to breathe heavy. I don't need to exert ever if i don't want to problem is physiologically biologically evolutionarily that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it all felt very easy and then i was sick as a result and i died you know and then just yeah exactly and then psychologically like the the implementation of an exercise program is a response to the fact that i don't have a physical lifestyle i'm not working a field i'm not you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and at the same thing physiologically i haven't strained and pursued and spent six months training for a thing and then fucking failed and then had to come back and do it again figure out why i failed or what went wrong yeah etc etc if you haven't experienced that life doesn't give that to us anymore it's all very fucking easy it's very easy to just float through do nothing do hard shit for the sake of doing hard shit you know you uh I'm assuming you're familiar with Jocko Willink. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking, man, I'm sounding yeah. a little Jocko-ish. But, like, so discipline equal freedom and all that stuff. Good. Like, <laughs> I need a radio voice. Like, I need to work on, like, my, yeah. you know, because you see his other stuff. And, like, I listen to him. And, like, I, I love the guy. Like, he is, he is what he is. You take it for what he is. Yeah, sure. But just, like, you know, dude, the voice. Like, come on. Like, you, you don't you don't always speak like that. Like, you, you know what? I was listening. What's the, who's the guy that comes on? So hold on. First of all, you got Jocko Willink, yeah. and then you got Echo. You got Echo Charles, who's got the smoothest, most soulful, <sighs> like just cutest voice ever. And then you see him, and you're like, "Wow!" That, and you're like, "Whoa, Jesus! Do not cross that son of a bitch." But then uh, the other kiss guy, you as he kills you. The other guy, um, who sounds like he's doing a Jocko impersonation. It's like his buddy in Echelon Front. Oh, um, 
because yeah. Leif Babin. Yeah, Leif, he's, he's got like extra gravel in there, and he sounds like he's like doing a bad Jocko impersonation almost. I'm like, are both these guys real? Is this real? Are they playing characters, you know? It's, yeah. I've heard some other speaking things where Jocko doesn't, Yeah, you know, it's... Well, yeah, that, I mean, it's this dark room, and it's all black yeah. walls, and it's all part of the ambiance, and it fucking works, Oh yeah, bro. Holy it's, shit. He's got, like, his <laughs> his speech... And his cadence and everything and his pauses, I mean, it, it does, like, it makes him, like, be cool and tough and special ops, yeah. but kind of makes you feel like, like yeah, yeah fuck yeah, man, like, I'm, yeah. I'm in with them too, like, this is, this is awesome, you I don't know, know what he's doing, but I'm in. You know shit's getting real on Jocko's podcast when you're here. a big long pause and a big old nose exhale you're like i don't know what he's reading but man he's into it dramatic pause yeah but you know discipline equals freedom and and i like it's such a concept like to to talk to people about or even explain just like if you do your shit now like my kids are probably like (laughs) so i have a sticker on my fridge that says like i made one it's like a whiteboard thing it says i am and it's just blank it says like tired sore in pain whatever good to do it anyway yeah and like my kids are gonna be like oh my fucking dad was such a dick like yeah like i don't care if you hurt do still do it like whatever and it's just that that mentality of like fuck, i got so much shit to do today i gotta write these papers and everything else like well get, like fucking sit down get the papers done because otherwise you're gonna try to do other shit and mm-hmm. your paper's not gonna be done you're gonna sit down the night 10 other things are gonna pop up like you're gonna have to stay up four hours later not gonna any sleep fucking do it now and you'll have the rest of the day to do whatever you want and like it, it, when you like you know it, like this group of people that we work with like they kind of get that you know like yeah like do what needs to be done and you, you, you can kind of get these things later when i feel like there's a lot of people who just they don't get like if you put the work in now things will be easier later or you'll have like you'll have more ability to do things you want or, or whatever else and i think it's just that and, and people hear that or listen to him, whatever, and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, it's just nuts. Like, he doesn't get it, or, you know, or they, they just kind of blow it off, or they listen to you, and they're like, all right, dude, you're a little that out was there. Intense. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, you know, it's kind of just what you were talking about was reminding me of that, but just, like, put in the work, yeah. and you'll have, you know, there, there will be benefits of it. You might not realize it. You know, like, I never realized the benefit of what I was doing years ago or, like, how it would affect me, and kind of shape my life and make me a lot more confident and driven person but you know do these things and good will happen but you have to you know be willing for that and well not like for me personally that's what bjj is bjj sucks every fucking time i do it <laughs> okay like i spent x number of years like strong man's got a certain more athletic element to it you got to run carry stuff and do mm-hmm. four things in a row and you know, it's like crossfit for big guys you know yeah you can flip that and say CrossFit is strong man for weak people, you know, however you want to do it, right? <laughs> Not that he's but saying like, anything about I CrossFit. mean, I, I spent a good number of years once I kind of was done competing in strongman, catering to my own comfort level a little bit. And you sort of justify it like, no, nah, I like heavy triples or like heavy singles, mm-hmm. you know. Right, maybe go do a powerlift and meet, you know, you just do a couple reps each thing mm-hmm. and it's big heavy ones and that's done. But then you're carrying groceries up three flights of stairs and you're out of breath. Like, well, I did the work before. I should be good now. You know, I show up to jujitsu and it's because it's, I'm intellectually curious, one, 
I want to, I want to learn this. This is a deep water I hear and mm-hmm. I want to learn to swim in it. I haven't been new at anything in a long time, which is another thing that I'm art, uh, firm about is try new shit. Like, like you've been good at things for so yeah, long. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 that's, that's the, like the best career advice is keep in mind the fact that you've been doing that same thing for 14, 15, 20 years. You yeah. know, and somebody's going to ask you to do something different one day. <laughs> Buckle up. You know, be, <laughs> be ready for that ahead of time. So yeah, it was. I want to be a new guy and I want to learn a skill set. And I found that the, you know, I'm far and away probably like the strongest person to ever walk into M theory. In in some regard, you know, nobody else has loaded a 450 Atlas stone to a five foot platform. I don't think. Or Marcus you know. is pretty ripped, but yeah, <laughs> good calves. <laughs> um, you know, but and I found that my the stuff I had neglected for the sake of comfort for the sake of familiarity, for the sake of ego, feeling good about the lifts I'm doing and whatnot mm-hmm. are the things that hold me back the most. When I first rolled an open roll, got, got enough stripes to qualify, I did one round and that was it. And I sat there for another hour and 15 minutes and I was like... Hmm. That was it mentally or physically or both? both. Okay. Mentally because it was physically yeah. it. There's, there's a point at which you just know. Like <laughs> ga- gas tank's empty. Oh, I'm mentally strong, but yeah, also yeah. why the gas tank's empty, right. you know. And I, I spent like a year, year and a half building up to four, five, six, whatever consecutive rounds. Like it took a long time. Sure. You know, jujitsu still sucks to train it, you know. And now we kind of back after a second break, back a second time. Yeah. Right. I, uh, you know, this yesterday I, I did every other round and I could have pushed in, could have leaned in, but it was fucking sucking. And I know that like. Four or five, six weeks from now, a couple months from now, mm-hmm. I'll do most rounds. Maybe skip one because of odd numbers. Yeah. Take advantage of being the fat-looking guy who's allowed to take a round off. I'll be the odd man out this round, you know. Like, but that—that that is the experience more important than the first two things I was looking for. Learning the technique, you know, and mm-hmm. being the new guy. Those are great, but reminding myself that I can suffer and move forward right. and sort of take the lesson of the suffering you know, no factor that yeah. whole thing and keep going. Like that's, that's a key thing. Cause like I say, I kind of moved away from that with, with training and stuff. So they have that, uh, what was it? The, it was a quote I read a long time ago. It was talking about like the wild animals. Like, you know, they do not weep for their sorrow and being cold and everything else. Like they just move forward, you know, like they, right. they don't sit and kind of bitch about their own problems and what other things and, like I really appreciated that. It's like you look at the animal kingdom and like they don't feel sorry for themselves. Like, oh, this is hard. Poor me. Yeah, well, so you're saying no one's giving me food. Like, I'm gonna fucking die. <laughs> like I gotta, yeah. I gotta push forward, yeah. you know, and I gotta do these things. But so you're saying the prefrontal cortex and stuff is a curse. <sighs> like the upper brain is a <laughs> two point. Two I, point. You know, yeah. like, yeah. it's a huge hindrance for a lot of people because they get in that too much and you know comfortable with that. But so with your like there's a physical challenge of this, but you, you mentioned like the psychological or kind of philosophy of it. Like, do you find yourself drawn to jujitsu too because of like the different thinking and kind of the different, you know, like obviously you know body mechanics and, you know, physiology and everything really well, but do you find yourself like kind of that chess match mental aspect of it, really appreciating that? I'm going to cut this out. This is the Travis episode, not the Matt Browse episode. Um, fine <laughs> uh i like learning yeah yeah like i've like uh if you were to say hey what kind of what do you got for hobbies what do you spend your time on 
I'm going to give you half a dozen things like that I actively spend time on. Jiu-Jitsu is one of them. Sure. It's like a weird childless addiction. Like I don't have kids. Yeah. You know, to, to be in your 30s and childless and not be like pushing the limits on something, trying to have a positive impact on other people, trying to improve yourself, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, seems really lame. So like I have an instrument I dabble in. I have a sport I'm obsessed with, which is bowling, not jujitsu. I train jujitsu because it's fun and really challenging, for, mm. like physically for the, for the 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 qualities that I've developed and the qualities I've neglected. It's really challenging, and then also just at a base level, very very challenging, <laughs> brutal. You know, any version of fighting mm. to get ready for that is brutal. It seems like. Um, so I, the, the, the chess match and the layers and all that, I don't even feel qualified to Not say, there yet. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm, I, I struggle on a daily basis at jujitsu with knowing that I'm afraid to attack someone. Attack isn't the right word. It sounds very mm. dramatic, but I have yet to be on the offensive. I don't, I think if people lower than me, people at my level, people above my level, I've. I've never squared off at the start of a round and thought, here's what I'm going to do. Mm. It's always, okay, what are they going to do? Right. And it might be the like, the big lumbering oaf thing. Like I know I'm sloppy and I'm also heavy and that can be dangerous. You know? It's considerate of your yeah. partner. Yeah. To a, to a, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting okay at getting out of mount. <laughs> you know? like, okay is the right word, you know? Um, so yeah, it is not, I'm not playing chess yet. Um, um, I'm on checkers, I think. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I feel qualified to answer that. That's all right. It takes a while. Like, same way, like, I, I don't think I thought about a lot of the deep stuff until probably the past couple of years of then really kind of tuning in. Because that, that, the conversation, when, when conversation, the presentation of your purple belt yeah. from <laughs> Jeremy was exactly part of what prompted like my interest in this okay. also sure. a little bit like, huh? So there's a backstory. He kind of talks about that, but you had been around and you'd seen some shit and you'd had some fights and yeah. So interesting enough, like I had trained obviously for years before being at the Academy and Nat came up to me one day. Cause I still, I mean, I, I think I got my blue belt. I don't think, I don't know if I had it. I maybe had like a stripe on my white belt, mm-hmm. you know? And Nat came up to me one day. I was like, Hey man, like you've got like, over 20 pro fights you should probably be at least a blue belt yeah. <laughs> so he's like this looks really bad <laughs> i was yeah. like whatever like i wasn't super concerned at that point you know is you're just taking on the process yeah the you process know because so, i would go there in the morning i do like my like my 5k run and then i would do um muay thai from 9 to 10 do jiu-jitsu from 10 to 11 and then mma class i think it was at like 11 30 or noon you know, Are you trying so to make me feel bad about myself? Kind of my morning of, uh, <laughs> Jesus. which by the way was fucking overdoing it, you know, yeah, but it sure. was kind of that wrestler, you know, around a bunch of wrestling guys, like fucking yep. more is better. Like yep. hundred reps is good. Two thousands better. And now it's like, man, I really should have been recovering more and sure. probably led to a lot of my, you know, I ended up shoulder surgery, um, from like a subscap tear and I actually ended up doing five repairs and they were in there. Sure. I did fight to win. I had an ACL that was not there. <laughs> so it was just overtraining, you know, yeah. and all those things. But, um, yeah, he's like, we should probably get you, like, at least something, you know. And, and uh, Muay Thai, I was always, like, at the beginner side of the line because I didn't have, like, the shirt with the stripe or anything on it. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, 
kind of weird having that dude down there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and uh, if it came to it, this guy would probably come out on top. Yeah. So what the hell are we doing with him down so there? So he's like, yeah, we should probably you know get you. And that's when actually um, I met Jeremy was at the at our when I got my blue belt. It was um, he. I wonder if that's when he was getting promoted too. I know he had a couple guys getting blue. Um, Rose Namahunas took her blue belt test with me under Greg. And I'm trying to think who else was there, but Jeremy and I had a mutual friend who was a, a hockey guy, a chiropractor and that. So I said, Hey to him. And I didn't even know like his gym was in Egan at that point. Sure. But, uh, much, yeah, so much closer to home. Fucking way better. Yeah. I was driving, I mean, I was driving, I lived in Farmington at one point. I was driving to the Academy every day. Oh, from Farmington, so up fifty two, up six ninety four. Yeah. Every day I was leaving my house like seven a.m. or so to get there, so I could beat traffic. Because otherwise, traffic would have killed me. You know, to get all my training and stuff in. Um, yeah, he was way closer to home, and I actually lived in Egan at that point. But yeah, so I got uh, my blue belt, and then I don't even remember what. I think I started training with Jeremy. Um, I had surgery. Came back, yeah, at some point, so I was like, why am I coming? I'm not, at that point, I wasn't fighting. I came back from surgery. It's kind of a long recovery from shoulder surgery. I wasn't fighting at that point. I thought about it. and was just getting back in shape and stuff like that, and Jeremy was a seemed like a cool guy meeting him, and everyone said, you know, so I kind of went and chatted with him and uh, met him and Jenny, and was like, this is, this is what I'm used to. Like, this is the type of gym and environment and culture that I had, I guess, grown up with in, in, the, in the realm and in everything, sure. and kind of what I wanted, so... I uh, Just save on gas, man. Oh, fuck, man, bro. Yeah, right? And I should make it there on time. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, that guy twice a week, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I ended up uh, starting training with him then, and it was kind of a little... I mean, I've been in school. Like I said, I did paramedic, nursing, and my BSN, my MSN, now my doctorate, so I've been in school a lot of this time and stuff like that, which is obviously a bit more important than, you know, than working, taking care of. we got a wife and two kids, Everything else, so just life gets in the way. But um, you know, me and Jeremy ended up having a pretty close relationship and become really good friends. Once he found out that I was like a mechanic and worked on cars and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, then he's like, oh, "Hey, I got this car back here. Come take a look." Yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, Robert Brandt was working at the time, and I love that guy. Like, nicest, most solid dude. Who, uh, you know, he worked boxing, and I'm super. Him, a dude, put in work. You know, and now he's seeing the benefits of it, and. He was there at the time, so I go bug him and see him, and just it was that environment that, like, you feel it, you know, like this is, this is it, like this is this is what you want, and this is somewhere you're comfortable in, and, and nice. That. So many, how many years you been there then? No, rough. Fuck. Six, seven. Sure. I think because I'm trying to think like when they moved into their new location, because uh, yeah. So weird way of me thinking about it. So. My youngest is going to be six. He wasn't born yet when we were doing, uh, mm-hmm. they brought a bulldozer in and clearing all, all the trees and everything at the new place. So I was helping Jeremy kind of set up the new gym and all that other stuff and build those things. So it's kind of, it's got to be seven years-ish or so. That's, I think that's pretty much how everybody thinks of everything. Let's see. Where did I work at the yeah. time? Did we, what, was our first yeah. born yet? You know, you do that and then you figure out what now, year was it, it was. pre-COVID or post-COVID? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> going to be a thing. <laughs> The pre-injury, did I have this surgery yet? Or, like, for me, what the best is with, with fights, I can tell where they're at depending on my tattoos. Like, okay. how far along my tattoos are in, like, fight pictures. I'm like, yeah. oh, this ta- this is roughly around this time. Sure. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> That's actually but, uh, a pretty good yeah, it's, way to measure it. It's a it. decent time frame for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was, like, you go to a place and you just, you know, like, 
this is this is it. This is where it nice. should be. This is where you know, like you, you get that feeling, and I kind of had lost that. Like Bison was definitely a special feeling. Like you think of like Rocky and those gyms and stuff like that, and you kind of grow up with those things, and you know, and with Sergio, the feeling with him as a coach, you had that, but like the rest of the gym was there's just so much disarray and lawsuits and other weird shit there that sure. got in the way. But uh, yeah, I think I've been there for about seven years, um, and just I. I they had Muay Thai originally, I think. Uh, I think Capel was down there teaching. And uh, I was like, sweet. And that kind of uh, died off. And Grills was actually teaching jiu-jitsu there yeah. at that time. Yeah, you, uh, they, and, uh, so they don't do any Muay Thai at MTT right now? No. Um, and as much as, like, uh, there might be, you know, it, Muay Thai is such a fickle thing. Mm. Like, finding someone who legit knows their shit. Sure. And can run class and like Muay Thai really doesn't have a ranking like you know and yeah like Sergio kind of gave us rankings and stuff like that and like said to you know, you guys at this level but, like in, in Thailand been like Caitlin's talking about like there's no ranking like yeah, you've got 200 fights right. like you grew up fighting or you did you know so like the, it the seemed like it was thing. kind of you're here today and that person's not yeah. so let's train <laughs> so it's kind of a the ranking thing with Muay Thai I think is an Americanized way of Okay. Like, oh, you're doing better, or, you know, like, I don't know, public places don't charge for belts like Taekwondo and that stuff does, but, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so with Muay Thai, it's, like, to get someone there and to get a following, and I think with people, when they do Muay Thai, like, a lot of people go to gyms or whatever, like, you have this this, this moving up and whatever else, and, like, if you don't have a rank, like, jiu-jitsu, you get stripes and belts, mm-hmm. like, with Muay Thai, like, you have to have their understanding that, like, I'm not gonna, you know, like, I might not get I know I'm getting better, but there's nothing to like officially show me that. Like there's no, nothing I can hold, you know, which is why I think like some places do that. They give you, you know, a stripe on your shirt or whatever to show you that you're making progress and kind of keep you motivated. Like in Thailand, there's no, you know, you're judged off your fights and how good of a show you're doing if you made it to the stadium or not, you know, those types of things. So Hmm. I would, uh, I'd love to see a Muay Thai thing there. And, you know, I work, I hold for guys and hold for Jeremy and he loves it too. And I miss doing it all the time, but, I just like right now with school and work, I don't have the time to really like settle in and do a lot with those guys. And, you know, Caitlin and Ryan, everyone asked me, I'm like, if you're going to go anywhere, like I've trained at a lot of gyms over the years. Like if you want to learn to strike and you want coaches that will like invest in you and and really take in with you and kind of that all encompassing fact, like that's where you need to, you know, like where you need to be. Where? At Striking Institute. Okay. Which for like, now, I, hold on for for Muay Thai for specifically. Muay Thai. Well, I I think in general, like if you want to compete, yeah. Um. This, I mean, obviously, M Theory has a very very strong competition background, and and not a whole lot with striking though. We're talking no, about striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with striking, yeah. I, there w- there would not be another place I would go. Okay, like by far. Um, if you look to see what Ryan and Caitlin have done with with the uh, diversity team people, and I mean one. The people there like, are like family. Like, there isn't a person there that I, I don't think I say a bad thing about. You know, like, I was listening to Ken Glenn when you did your interview with him. And, like, mm-hmm. so Ken and I, like, we know each other. We've both mm-hmm. been around forever. Like, I can't say yeah. we've gone out to eat or anything. But, like, Ken is a dude who, like, I respect and just have, like, this deep appreciation for. Yeah. Like, I saw him there. Um, I did a class. He was walking. I was like, I was like, hey, man, good to see you. Like, just that, that friendship again. Like, it, we never, like, hung out until it was just we were around. Yeah. But it's just that, like, mutual respect and things like that, and, like, Tommy and all those other guys there, you know, Ryan, if you ever do a class with Ryan, like, if you've never done Muay Thai, go do a class with Ryan. Like, it is an experience in itself. 
Like if, just his if style. You, yeah, yeah. Have you ever done Muay Thai? No. Oh, like he he was actually uh, trying to drag me into going over there with him. You He's got afraid it. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did? Yeah, yeah. You talked like, to. I'll, I'll go to like if you want like I'll go and help you guys or hold pads or whatever but you you have to experience the coaching of Ryan okay I don't I, my wife was super apprehensive about doing it too and stuff like that and I was like go to Ryan's class because she you know like we go out together with them and we're good friends um like fabulous people in general and super interesting but he he just has this way about of coaching that I can't I can't compare it to anything else like no. It's it's fabulous. And even like Caitlin too, like their awareness for the person is it's just something else. Like like the I don't know if it's like, like the whole read person. You and, and yeah, read yeah. What they need to change and modify as you're going in a session. Is what yeah, saying. and even just the interaction, like the simple things, and just that that personal and social experience. Like it's it's something else. Like, and I, I love it. Like it's entertaining. Like you get your ass kicked. Well, it's, it's as hard as you want to push yourself, but it's also just hilarious. Like, it's yeah. super entertaining. <laughs> right, right. It's just, it's awesome. He, so. I, she brought him to uh, M3 of several months back. I heard he's trained jiu-jitsu now. I, I mean, clearly, they went to M3. I don't know with what frequency, but I was yeah. like, look at that. Hmm. Yeah, he's been doing it more and more. There's something, <laughs> something intimidating about, like, a really good grappler stepping up and learning striking and vice versa. Where you're like, mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. don't mess with that guy. Now, after you knock me out, you can come to the ground with me <laughs> and do more things to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Finish the damn job. And he doesn't need to, though, either. Uh-uh. Like, there's no there's no necessity. Like, the dude, his striking and everything is, is and, and he's taking people everywhere and won on all levels. I mean, he's done amazing things as a, as a coach and everything. It has no reason to push himself in this uncomfortable mm-hmm. situations, but mm-hmm. it helps him grow, and which yeah. is, it just tells you something about them as a person. Yep. And where you, if you want to be at that level, yeah. yeah. When you have a coach that takes themselves out of their comfort zone and something they're an expert in, that's the coach you want. Yeah. You know, like, cause then they get it. Right. They, under, they understand it. But yeah, you guys got to go there. You got to drag him in. 100%. I will. <laughs> I'm not apprehensive about the thing. I'll, I'm in. Let's yeah. go. I'm kind of long over that hump in life. Like, yeah. sure, let's go try it. Uh, you did fight to win. That's mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu submission only. Is that right? Yeah, which was How, how many jiu-jitsu awesome. tournaments have you done? Like jiu-jitsu, just jiu-jitsu. Two or three? Oh, okay. A few, yeah. like not many. You're busy fighting. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's like, so, all honesty, um, this is just my, like, personal thing is, like, the whole point system and stuff mm-hmm. drives me nuts. Tell me why. Uh, the, because to me, like you should. For me as a competitor, like I should be able to, uh, you know, I want to, I want to finish my opponent. If it goes like pride, used to do ten minute rounds. And there's a reason for that. Like, you push someone into the deep end and see where they're at. Like, see what they've got in the tank and, and really challenge them. When someone can take you down, not necessarily advance on you at all, but just ride out of position and win fuck that like it, it just you're not showing me you're better than me necessarily well you're you're better at holding me i guess and i guess i can't get out but you also can't finish me like and that's just my own like nope like, it's, it's a it's a like deviation standard deviation of error away from a real fight because it's not how that would go is that what you mean yeah well it's it, just it, like it brings you into the hypothetical realm like 
I got an advantage point because right. hypothetically this was good for me and not right. good for you. But I'm still not going anywhere. I'm not finishing them. I'm not submitting them. Like, Does you know, it pull like, it halfway back to like point system karate and, and taekwondo stuff where it's like the watered down version? The lack of, of realism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem is, those, I mean, you got guys that are incredible grapplers. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the, the top echelon that are serious competitors and they can do, you know, sub only things. It's just, you know, it, for me, like if a guy just takes me down and sits there, like it, it's, it doesn't do anything for me. Especially like I have an issue with like paying $150 to roll twice yeah. with people that are most likely around here anywhere that I could roll with, you know, yeah, and like yeah. for a $3 medal or some ranking that really doesn't do much for me, you know, like that's part of it too. Like, and so I know some places like they will, they kind of like you get stripes or you go up, like you go compete around here and like you beat these people like, Oh, well, you know, it kind of elevates you to go to the next rank or the next belt or whatever. It's like, yeah, but no, like it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a weird, I think it's coming from the fighting world of like you, you fight to finish like you do, you know, and coming from where I trained at, like you don't, you do not like go to decision. Like if you like go to decision, you fucked up. And if you might, lose, if you, you lose, you deserve it. Cause you you're letting it go into the judge's hands yeah. and the judges are idiots. Like, you don't like what they <laughs> did Well, you should have finished the fight. Yeah. And so yeah. like it goes back to responsibility. Like, take responsibility for it. Take ownership. Like if you didn't want to, you're pissed. You lost Well, you should have beat him. Like should have won. Um, so I think like just the finishing of it, which is why I like fight to win. I like, cause it's sub only, you know, and, right. and stuff you like finished that. Like, it or you did. There's no points. And then if it does go to decision, it's, you know, they throw it out and, you know, but it's not like, well, you've got 14 to two or whatever. And I still honestly don't understand all the fucking point system. <laughs> Marcus tried to explain it to me numerous times and everyone else. I'm, I'm sure just he like, did. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> How about I just tap them? If I submit them, it's way easier. There's right. no, there's no yeah. other issue, right? Like, right. here's my goal. I go in, I, I submit them, game over. I don't worry right. about points. So that's my mentality is just nope, fuck it. It it's all it, you and I, you know, meet by our cars outside here and get into a fight. Now this is purely hypothetical because I don't want nothing to do with that. He's gonna hit me from behind. I'm not looking. <laughs> I'll hit you with my car. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not have a defense for that. So. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I haven't learned car defense. Gracie <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu car defense has not been part of my <laughs> It's not in my the learning. curriculum, yeah. Um, like, that's a fight. And every sport version is, like, mimicking that or... That's not the word I'm looking for. Trying to represent what would happen there. Trying to emulate the... Emulate, there you go. Realistic. And MMA is about as close as you can get without breaking the laws and shit. So then anything south of that seems kind of lame once you fought MMA. And maybe not lame, but like seems like mm, why don't we just mm. I mean, I like I like just like the grappling, like just like just submission, you know, the the wrestling and stuff like that and you know, like Barnett calls it submission wrestling rather than jiu-jitsu or whatever, but I like that. Um it's just different, you know, and, and I know people like karate or People just like boxing, like they just like the striking aspect. So if you don't want to get punched in the face, but you still want to grapple, cool. Like it's not for everyone. Like getting punched is definitely not for a lot of people. And you can take very high level guys, and you can be a very low level guy, and you put on gloves and go to the ground, and that black belt may not do so well. 
because they've never dealt with it. They've never been in that in that deep end, and you may become very victorious with no fucking experience, just because they they lose it and you just pound them into the ground. So it's it's one of the like you kind of have to you kind of know what you're getting into, and and you know appreciate some people just don't want their face rearranged, don't want to go to work with black eyes and answer a bunch of questions. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was just cool. Like I, I mean, I grapple a lot right now without striking and I love it. Like, but I'm also always trying to go for the finish. Like you'll never see me stalling for position or yeah. whatever. Like I'm looking for a way to make you tap. Like just to get there, you know? And so with the, uh, you know, guys that just do submission stuff or whatever, like, it's, it, I'm happy, like, people are competing and pushing themselves for one. Like, if you're doing it, for awesome. Sure. But yeah. it's just some of it's, like, the point thing is not me, you know. But for a while, though, gee wasn't me either, so. Hey, know. there you go. Gro- growth mindset. <laughs> now I like it. Yeah. You know, I appreciate the gee and so. This has been, so far, tragically on topic. You ever watch any movies? TV? <laughs> We've been talking so, about like jujitsu and shit for like two and a half, three hours. That's horseshit. Like medical stuff too. <laughs> medical things. Hold on now. So, there, uh, there, what you ever you ever have like a, a fun medical story, like like removal of object from rectum or anything like that? Do you got anything like anything that? Anything terrible you can think of? Give me an example. Tell me. Prove it to me. Rectal, yeah, that was, rectal like, form body. There's been story. less less rectal form bodies lately. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Yeah. You know, well, no. There was a, there was a that college in Northfield put out a thing telling people to uh, clean their sex toys during COVID. Oh, uh, okay. Was that a what college? Is that down there? The private. O- Olaf. Say yeah. Olaf. Yeah. It was oh, made me laugh, man. Like, keep one sexual partner and clean your sex toys during COVID to reduce the spread. I mean, <laughs> strong. You know, it's it, it's sort of it's sort of like the the the. Um, the hand washing advice, like you wash your hands every time you have access to wash your hands, not because your hands are dirty, but because like just regular hand washing is good. And from a public health perspective, well, wash your you Yeah, know, I love that it took us a pandemic to tell you to wash your hands. Isn't that silly? Cover like, your sleeve and clean your dildo. Yeah, so like, yeah, definitely clean your dildo. Let's do this. The, if you, you read the <laughs> bullet point advice relative to like COVID and yeah. how you should like... Isn't that how you're living your life anyway? Were we all not like washing our hands and like just not hanging out with dozens and dozens of people or whatever it is? Yeah, clearly we were not. You're right. Hey, dude, sneezing in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you never do jujitsu again. (laughs) That's true. Can't comment on that. Yeah. Drip sweat in your mouth. Ugh. No. uh, Fucking jujitsu. So foreign bodies is is always like when it comes into the the ED, it's always like yes, like you you you. Someone asked the other day about dating someone in the ED. I was like, you have to realize anyone who works there generally has something wrong with them. In the emergency department. You work in emergency medicine, stuff like that. Like, you're generally a little bit off. It's like dating a fighter. You know? Yeah. Like, if you're into doing some of these things, like, you know, like, but yeah, like, you have to be a little not normal in the head, I guess, or whatever. But, um, yeah, so the, the complaint was like foreign body, which always makes you go like, yes. Let's see where this goes. So <laughs> it was uh at least it's not gonna be a boring shift, right? Oh, it's the best man. Yeah. Like <laughs> love the awkwardness and everything else that ensues and just the appreciation works. So we have residents too who are new to a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So many of us have been around for years and you know, whatever you see is like whatever. Well 
so they're uncomfortable and nervous and this one's a foreign body well evidently her and her male friend which we maybe thought was a like she may have been a paid oh sure never clarified that but um during their romanticizing um she had a kid's rubber fish toy that like vibrates or swims around the tub inserted into her into her her womanly parts for pleasure i assume and uh (laughs) and so of course she like she she has a picture of it on her phone like she googled like this is what it is whatever it is yeah i love this and the resident was one of the newer ones and so like so so what are we going into and like really hard to keep i can't keep straight face now like thinking about it i was like well here's what it is and the uh the attending was one who I'm friends with and we talk a lot. And so this random fish toy that's in there led into a lot of joking for going the room of, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like, so he, he t- takes a piece of paper out, writes gone fishing on that it, was it and like that puts was it, it on her computer. Yeah, so we're laughing. Fishing. He's like, I'm going to go seriously go in. I'm like, oh, Hey, Hey, real quick. I'm like, are we doing like catch and release here? <laughs> are we like taking a, like a picture or how are we, how are we doing this? Which, so then again, like had to wait for the composure and this was a like pre COVID time. So we didn't have masks on yeah. and like any of these situations you put a mask on to hide your <laughs> constant fucking laughing of, you know, they have a potato in their rectum or whatever else. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> so go in. Can't fucking find anything. Huh? Yeah. I can't find it. She swears it's up there. You know, so in there looking, and Doc's looking at me. I'm like, I don't see anything. Like, it's only so big. There's only so many places they can go. I don't know what to tell you. And we uh, send her for an x-ray and everything else. Well, I don't know where your fish went, but sadly we never found it. But What? Yeah, so I don't know what. Was it a ruse? Yeah, I don't know. Like. Or does that woman have a a robotic fish inside her or something? Maybe it fell out. Who knows? Or what in the I'm not world? Sure. Yeah, you know, but there's. Yeah, but that's not one. But drugs, there's drugs are bad. There's been times where you know we, the there's a guy who was found uh, down in a an alley. You know, we we people all the time like found down, no story. You don't know what that was going on, right? So found down, whatever. And I was I think I was working trauma nurse at night. So you're kind of a resource nurse to help people with whatever. And so I go into the room and uh, like, hey, you know, the guys kind of out you want me to put a condom cath on them that way they don't pee everywhere and it's a huge mess like yeah so pull his pants down i was like oh fuck he's like what i'm like did you see this he turns around i was like oh so the dude had a like solid stainless steel cock ring on that was god like the like i don't say like the 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 ring itself like the the thickness of the ring was i sort of got like three quarters or an inch like yeah, so it was. He- I mean, I think I had to weigh like five pounds or more. Uh, <laughs> so I was just like, ah, uh, this adds a whole lot down to found down in an alleyway now. Like you usually don't just walk around. <laughs> so I, I call the resident. I'm like, hey, okay, keep me here a minute. She goes, oh, yeah, sure, I'll be right in. I'm like, got a question for you. <laughs> I cover him back up. So never anyone comes in with a trauma, you know, or anything like that. You're supposed to do like strip them down, look at everything over, try to find the source of. Why they're unconscious, not responding. She's like, what's up? I'm like, did you guys do like a full on him? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, what about this? She's like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's like, uh, we, we did not see that. I was like, 
We did a 97%. Yeah. I was like, so, yeah, 2% <laughs> on yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and uh, she, we should probably get that off. I was like, yeah. I was like, kind of adds a little bit to the story then, huh? She's mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't know if the police want to know about this. And so it's just. Super random. <laughs> Super random. Just like, let's. So I assume he was meeting someone in the alley. I don't know. Like, did or drugs had, maybe? Or had met someone in the alley. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just this things like that you find. You're like, oh, well, that's, uh, I wasn't expecting that <laughs> being there, you know? But. But you keep your composure. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to, you have to appreciate the, these things. Like, you uh you put it in a plastic bag and put it with their belongings. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you return it to them. I think I think I even I mean, maybe sanitary wiped it off too. Uh, but uh yeah, you know, and there's usually like the females that, like I worked in urgent care, like this was a constant thing weirdly enough, is like so if I just tampon in for like a month? I was like, What? What what, 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 what? and so the one time she came in and her boyfriend, this her husband or whatever is with her and we're kinda of asking her questions and I was like, You can kinda of Get a little bit of an odor. She's like, yeah, it's been in for a couple of weeks. I'm like, She's like, well, I, I had sex with this guy last night who was not the guy that was there with her, which made it even more awkward, like a whole <laughs> situation. <laughs> and so usually my physician goes in, you need a second with you. And so they pull it out and the ungodly smell. And then the dude is with her just vomits fucking everywhere. Like just starts <laughs> blowing chunks everywhere. Is it? Wait, hold on. How far from like sepsis are you at that point? She, like, I mean, what in the that's world? just it though. Like, you leave me in like toxic shock and everything else. Like it's dangerous, but you'd be amazed how many people, I don't think get drunk or whatever. And then they leave men or forget about, like, I, I don't understand. I'm, I, I'm not a female. I don't yeah. use these things. That's all fair. But I don't know if you can feel them. Smells be smells. You know what I'm saying? That was, and that's the thing. Like her smell was not new and a guy was intimate with her the night before. Like, it was enough to make this dude vomit. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually had to like, Usually with those things, like, you, you throw it in a bag right away, and you, like, double bag and you have to take it to the garbage because that room we actually had to shut down for 24 hours, just, like, the aroma. Oh, my sinks God. In, yeah, but, so, it's just the oh people, are, people are interesting, man. Like, That's, I don't know if interesting yeah, for some people, is the right word. Some people, like, these things are no, like, oh, it is what it is. Like, it just happens, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I fuck? love Rob. Uh, Another solid dude. Yeah. It is what it is. That's just, that is the, that's a, a sentence at the heart of stoicism and at the heart of insanity <laughs> at the same damn time. That is what it is. Well, it's the thing is like you, you know, it, you see these things and it gives you a good glimpse in the society and where things are at. I guess. But you had uh, you had mentioned movies or TV shows before, so yeah, man. I mean, you gotta you can't be talking about fighting yeah, people all true. the time. No. It's, it's uh, so I don't get a ton of like I do take time away at night and whatever else like away from reading medical crap and being a dork like that or um they've said letter kenny is oh man uh my wife started watching it and i was like what the fuck are you watching like oh my coworker told me about it i'm like oh great like anytime a coworker suggests something it <laughs> mostly fucking sucks yeah mostly like yeah, i'm like ah right. here we go like your coworker told you three to terrible episodes of this try show. this so she was watching it and i sat down and uh so she comes from a very small town, you know, and families, dairy farmer, and everything else like that. And like, I've had my fair share of living around kind of that, that small town thing. And, uh, um, Canada or not, you get certain elements yeah. of it, right? Well, and then when you spend enough time with 
fucking Clarky yeah. his A's and then all the hockey guys that come in and train like yeah. so I actually like had this very <laughs> different appreciation for it because I've got like this small town where like when I went there everyone wanted to fucking fight me you know it's a town of like 205 <laughs> right and so like her ex was, was from there and everything else and so it was just all like and you know of course tattoos and pink hair and like a small yeah. like, farming hillbilly yeah. town like mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go away, dude. Like, she wanted to come out and see her friends. Just stop. You know, and then her brothers are actually, like, huge guys. And they're like, no, you really don't want to mess with... Like, they're like yours. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, they're yeah. big farm boys. And like, no, like, we're not going to do anything, but you really want to leave them alone. Like, just, yeah. just don't. So eventually everyone was cool with that. But, like, coming from that side of things and, like, Jeremy and, and the hockey guys and then watching that show, like... My God, like my wife said to me, she's like, I don't think I've ever heard you laugh out loud of a show like this. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, just the delivery and everything and just the, the constant. And like now I'll like, I'll Google the bloopers. Oh yeah. Have you, uh, have you seen them? A couple here. Oh yeah. yeah. But like the hockey players and like just their constant back and forth, like their delivery and <laughs> just the whole dynamic of that show is just amazing. I just appreciate, you know, things like that and. Nice fucking treasure trail. Are <laughs> 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 you so fucking awkward? You're a but... for that? <laughs> Take up your shirt, but you put your glasses back on. <laughs> it's just like, I'm it's like, I'm like, cross fuck off. I love it. <laughs> I just want that specific <laughs> that specific clip is is just golden. Where they just rail into those guys. Uh-huh. And the uh, dairy and his breakfast. <laughs> what's the, what's the most important meal of the day? Breakfast. Squirrely Dan is the man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Put your uh, fingers in your uh, butt skulls <laughs> or whatever. The use. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about use. The, uh, that's why they call you fucking squirrely down, that's oh, for sure. I fucking love it. Did you, uh, there's that episode where they they have all like the town kids come in for the town meeting where they, like, someone was wrecking his mailbox. Hmm. Have you seen that? I don't know. Oh, fucking squirrely Dan goes off the handle. It's just as you were like, just similar to like if you saw the one where they, where they met the... Uh, you know, like the French Canadians or whatever, and they kind of had that little square off. Um, so there, someone writes really in his mailbox, and he's like, you know, it's a federal crime, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and you don't fucking touch a mother man's mailbox. Stands up and just, yeah. like, rages yeah, on him and then sits back down, you know, like all proper like. That's good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I had, like, a like a brief, maybe it was, like, a Spotify thing or something. There was Hulu attached to it or something, so right. we... We ran through a handful of episodes oh. or whatever before the thing expired because I'm a cheap bitch and I won't pay for yeah. some shit. But well, they have Little uh, Kenny, which is a cartoon version. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those. Pretty good. It's because they use the same audio, right? But then they animate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking killer. So, like shows like that, like what, like when I sit, like when I actually get to watch shit, like stuff like that's what I appreciate. Or um, the Queen's Gambit was another one. Like I appreciate that one. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, we but, like, started watching it and. I fall asleep mad early. My <laughs> girlfriend's more of a, a late night yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I've been waking up at like 4 a.m. for years just right. for work, not because of Jocko. Fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> Get your workout in? <laughs> no, fuck that, man. I'm going to work. I'm discipline. Getting, I'm Where's your discipline, Matt? Oh, I'm getting paid to be up at 4 a.m.? <laughs> fuck you. It's the only reason. Uh, so they, she fucking killed it. Like We watched the first two or three episodes together. I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty good, Queen's yeah. Gambit. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, it was really good. I'm like, what do you mean it was? What yep. the fuck? Yep. When the fuck did you kill the rest of that? You know, It's not your time enough. anymore. Yeah, so I have to go check it out on my own. But I yeah. start, I watched the first three episodes of Scrubs again. You ever watch Scrubs? Yeah, so 
I tell people like, uh-huh. if you want a medically accurate show, Scrubs <laughs> is probably the most like to real shit where they're not like trying to shock a systole and do all this other dumb shit. Yeah, like, yeah. And also, there's a lot of just shenanigans and dumb shit that goes on. Like, sure. Which is why I work nights. Like, like in real life, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I worked over night shift for years because there's not only admin people there and you can get away with yeah, yeah, yeah. the appropriate things you should be doing. Part of why I work the 5 a.m. shift at my gym is management don't show up so, until 9 a.m. I got the first half of my day free from their <laughs> just, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So Scrubs is, yeah. Like that's why I watch that. You know, back when it's still on TV, and I actually should go back and rewatch it. Yeah, it's on Amazon. And I was like, fabulous. I couldn't fall asleep. So I'm like, fuck it, man. I haven't watched yeah. that in like 10 years. The Todd. And I'm like, this is stupid, but it's funny. We're doing the it. The Todd is, uh, <laughs> the I love it. Fives. Fucking, yeah, no sleeves on his yeah. surgical scrubs. Still, the best character, though, and maybe it's just because it's more universally relatable, is the janitor. Janitor guy. Cause and there's always one like that. He reminds me so much of one of like the building maintenance guys where I work. But same, yeah. We I mean we have a guy at the hospital that's similar. Yeah, he just kind of leers around, just and, staring at you for no reason. You know. And uh, Doctor Cox reminds me of a few providers I work with that I really love working with them because they will the way they talk. Like this patient was psychotic and asked the doctor to use his pen. He's like, "This one? No, I don't. I don't loan that pen out." Yeah. He's like, "I just need to write something down and let me use that." He's like, nope. "No, it's it's my." pen i don't let others use it you're seriously not gonna use that pen Hmm. no they'll get you like a marker or something but no you don't don't use a pen i'm like like and so like (laughs) i'm outside the room because if you generally like the providers in there like one of us is standing by if shit goes down like to you know then we with like the crisis and psychotic people and that but the reason he didn't shoot like give him his pen because he could fucking just stab me with it yes it's it's obviously a weapon and but (laughs) just just calm cool like yeah no i don't i don't share this pen I don't loan it out to anybody. Just it's like normal as can be. Yeah, like yeah. Perfect delivery. And so that's everybody's like Dr. Cox type of stuff. It's like, no, you, the thing us. about that show is you had uh, Bobo, right? He was the head guy. He yeah. scrubs Bob uh, Kelso. Kelso, thank you. Yeah. And he was all smiles and all <laughs> fluff and all love, right? Until shit turned real. And then he was a piece of shit. <laughs> and Cox was a dickhead, kind of bullyish just you know brash and and almost abusive most of the time until shit went down and he was the hero he's the guy you needed i love that because it's super real you got superficial nice guy superficial good guy and the guy that's just trying to take care of business quit your fucking bitch and i'm taking care of business and that's the one you wanted to depend on when shit happened and that's like honestly like if any type of mentor or even like gym coach or anything like cox Mm. is the guy like yeah berates you talks trash you like not mean like not like yeah, you know you're like fat or making yeah like, <laughs> not like that but just like calling you out on your dumb shit when you yeah. probably should be called out on it give me a little bit of a tougher skin but then like you know when you can't took a beating or shit was down be like hey like you know we've all been there a little bit yeah quit being a pussy and get back up right like <laughs> well, there, there's <laughs> give you a little bit of benefit then you know <laughs> rash right. again right and there's multiple scenes where like the, you know Zach Braff's character, JD, uh, is finally like succeeding at the thing at the end of the episode, and they pan over to Cox through a window pane, sort of smiling, yeah. like, hmm, good, because yeah. his influence was what right. brought it back around. He's the good guy, even though he's kind of a prick. And the guy that seems so fucking nice right. is a piece of shit. And also, Cox isn't looking for like that right. you know, accolade and everything of being like, oh, you're the best. And yeah. It's humble ish. Well, not humble, but, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> Far from humble, humble but he just he doesn't right want word. the appreciation, you know. He doesn't want all that. He doesn't want your victory to be his. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. We just went in deep on Gives you the, the ownership. Say it again. Just making, you know, giving him the ownership. It's yes. just like it's right. that leadership thing of like yeah, I might be the manager, but like if good shit happens, it's the team, not me. Like, yeah. It's not nothing right. to me. Like this is all you guys. Like you did good, you did good. Bad shit happens, it's my fault. Yeah. You know, like it's I didn't train you guys well enough. I didn't help you enough. But good things happen. Nope. Nothing with me. My team did great. My team performed well. Like those are the people you want to. You yeah. know. You think? Um, did you see that thing with Gordon Ryan and Galvao? <laughs> I think it was staged. So. The WWE. First, that was my first thought. It was? That was my first thought. It, was it like, wasn't mine, but I, you I know, Ishmael, Ishmael Bentley was like, so, that's, that's staged. Get so first, they, they, they build them for a super fight? Like, come on, people. Like, seriously, like, I don't know, I don't know what he was talking shit about, you know. Like, generally when you're at that high level, like I know Brazilians are very passionate, and I've mm-hmm. dealt with a lot of them, and I know, you know how, how things go. And hearing stories from, like, Sergio when he, I mean, Sergio trained, like, Vondale Silva and Anderson Silva and all those guys and told me about, like, how it was back in the day in Brazil. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, like gym raids and everything else. Yeah. And like, wow. Like, it'd be intense. It'd be probably a good time. Like, if you're into that, like, it'd be a great place to be. <laughs> like, in the heyday. Like, damn. You guys got after it, you know. But they're very prideful people and very passionate. And you can't mm-hmm. fault them for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, what made me laugh first was, like, he slaps him. And people want a response. I'm like, well, neither of them are strikers. Like, what do you want them to do? Like, shoot a double and fucking, like, <laughs> you know, like, but, like, the slap in itself, like, okay, what can I do to him that elicits a response that looks good on television, on video that they seem to be, of course, it's a darkly lit, you know, like, it very reminded me of, like, WDF backstage. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, we're falling through the tunnels, and oh, this guy pops out, and he slaps yeah. him, and. You know, and then I see like Afro's like Gabby Garcia was coming up. I'm like, well, that would have been interesting. The biggest, baddest <laughs> motherfucker in the room, awesome. by the way. Holy shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought, and I was like, because he didn't, you know, he got slapped and it was kind of just trash talking. That was it. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I gotta say, if you slap me, like, there's, there's a difference mm-hmm. in being punched and slapped. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of disrespect to a slap. Mm-hmm. And if you slap me and we're in that close of proximity, like, there's going to be a short uppercut, short hook or something coming in. Sure. Like, probably like just normal reflex you know and so i saw that and i was like yeah like it it builds for good well tv viewing and everything else you know and yeah that's 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 why like it kind of makes some sense i would do that too to draw some especially if you think of like this even if it wasn't scripted but like you know build it up and i hope it wasn't scripted because they sounded stupid they just kept repeating the same shit like ratchet motherfuckers well, on the street I feel like that's cop about average though but yeah, <laughs> fair point well barbecue drew was saying i don't know if he talked to hanan about it but like hanan knows galvao oh, from yeah. way back apparently you know and and he was saying well we were not you know not warming up takedowns or whatever the hell we were doing the other day um that like if, if like let's say it's real Mm. And Galvao responds as most of us would by like lunging at him, throwing at him, whatever, and gets beat the fuck up. Then you lose your fight. Not that you lose a lot. Like yeah. social media is bad news, and so much of his business is his image, right? That's, right. that's 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 the game, right? You know. So if like you're getting tagged on Twitter and Instagram, or you fucking lost a real fight mm. finally, ooh, 
that doesn't bode well for right. your school big picture. I'm like, that's actually kind of interesting. That's if it point. isn't scripted and planned and a ruse, yeah. then it's just good business. He's let's, got enough control not to. Yeah. yeah let's yeah. stand here and like bitch at each other and, and cause chaos and cause some rando ass podcast to bring it up. You right. know what I mean? It's, it's nothing but free publicity and neither of us really lose anything. Yep. I think that's actually a better theory. Yeah. They're two fiery assholes, opinionated, shouting, yelling, legit yeah. fighters, but yeah. they're smart enough kind of thing. That's, that's just like you look at a lot of these things and even the media, you know, like stars or whoever else, like they have people that are handlers kind of watching out for them and, yeah, you know, backroom dealings. And I mean, everyone fucking knows everyone in this yeah. game. Like you're telling me there wasn't maybe like a, hey, hey, you'll make good. We're probably going to have a match coming up. We should build for this. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Because that would—that's—that's I mean, that's a hell of a super fight. Those I mean, what guys, was right? was Don King's job? Yeah, right. I mean, well, one and he made his guy believe he was fucking indestructible, which probably led to a lot of the wins. You yeah, know, is right. that? But also, you build that thing and yeah. you sell it. It's conveniently available to flow grappling. Yeah. Right. After with a paid membership, <laughs> fucking irritate the shit out of me. <laughs> Fuck you. Guys. I know how the internet works. Yeah, I'm yeah. Paying you your money. Yeah, yeah. I'll go fifty-fifty on that. I feel you. Yeah, just for that clip though. But yeah, I saw it and I was just like, hmm, I got a lot of feelings about this. But it makes me think of uh, just the uh, that reflexive response and like you were saying, keeping calm. Like, yeah. Better man than I if I got whacked, but that's why it makes me a little more. He didn't, re- he didn't you know, like getting hit and not responding makes me think it was less real. Yeah. No. Maybe he's, maybe he's into getting slapped. Maybe he liked it. That's a hot take. You might man. not know anything about Galvao. Yeah. We're going to put that at the front of this episode. <laughs> he was into it. <laughs> he paid him for it afterwards, actually. <laughs> he oh, slipped no. him some money. Oh, no. <laughs> Hey, Gordon, hit me later. Does hit Puerto me Rico have their own money? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other good, like, listen to, like, you know, Audible and books and stuff like that to kind of kill my time in a car or podcast. And then uh, other shows, it's just, try to find just, like, those interesting, like, either, like, I don't want to think and I just want to laugh. Yeah. You know, like, like, Litter Kenny, which is, just, yeah. it's, it's it's amazing. Um. What else we watch right now? Like the few, like when I actually do, just like sit down, and spend time with my wife at night, like put the kids to bed. We usually watch a show, and we're watching. Uh... Oh fuck! Hmm. Yeah, well, I can never remember the names of stuff either. Talking me either. It's a bridge. Oh, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah. You, you it was another one. Where I was like, hey, and I was like, oh, we'll give it a shot. It was actually, it is entertaining. I can appreciate it, but you so know. is the view. No, in it's some not. regard, like no. I can okay, yeah, no. this is entertaining. Cackling hands, <laughs> like arguing. I'm mostly kidding. It doesn't seem yeah, entertaining no, to no. me at all. But that, and every now and then, like some good anime shows. Anime? Yeah, the, the Japanese like uh-huh. have a strange appreciation for the way they like do their storylines, but also like almost kind of the subliminal stuff. They like if you look at a lot of these, like their hero or whatever generally gets like their family fucking dies and they get shit on constantly but they're like they're still striving forward like they're still and out there they're like an amazing person like they're still failing constantly you know um but 
they're they're not giving up. Like they still have some perseverance, and they're yeah. they're getting somewhere. And I can appreciate that. And it's like Seneca's wet dream that goes back to the yeah the something Stoicism about their culture. Thing, you know, like yeah. if you look at like what different cultures find important in in media and whatever else, you probably see it. But like you kind of get this recurring theme in a lot of like the anime and those other things is just that no matter what, like you're still pushing forward to do good or you know and not give up no matter they're beaten down forever you know or it may not be the most a lot of it's you know they're not the most skilled or technical person they're not the elite athlete they're just an average dude trying to make it through and i don't know i can kind of appreciate that and find it interesting yeah sounds super relatable but (laughs) (laughs) so i get through life man yeah yeah for sure you finna be a black belt in jujitsu what's that are you finning finna finna be a black belt in (laughs) jujitsu I fixing to yeah well, I mean, fuck yeah I think I'm on like the 50 year path sure it's, been it's <laughs> cool it's better than most people yeah. right because someone's like oh you're a white belt I want to talk about it <laughs> like, you know but uh no I was on shit how many years of the white belt and like five years of the blue belt or whatever and so figure another 15 I should be black belt. Like I say, still but ahead of, ahead of the curve. The big, you know, like yeah, I, guess, I guess what I mean is that like an actual ambition of yours, or you're just <laughs> training to fight well. So, like, are you yes and no. By that? Like I, I like even like with work stuff and and like at the gym, like I enjoy kind of like the teaching, mentoring, and other thing. Like I enjoy that aspect a lot. Um, it also when you're teaching people, I think it really makes you think about like your own movements, and your own game, and so I think it's actually a way of people like to build their own skill is because you have to break things down and be like, well, you should be doing this here. And so you just find these little nuances like, Oh shit, I'm doing this wrong. So work with anyone, even just like drilling, I find myself like, Oh, I need to tighten this up, tighten this up. So I think, you know, teaching and instructing and it's a way to, to kind of just connect with people and maybe help them through, you know, like a lot of people have life shit going on that you have no idea what's happening. Most people, I think actually. And so, you I think things like I could be a way to kind of connect and maybe help people along a little bit and like try to do some good in the world. Um, like I won't say that like the ranking system is such a dichotomy because it doesn't mean a thing, but fuck it matters. Right. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you don't have a ranking, you don't have anything. You could hand everyone their ass. But you still get lined up and you kind of get put in order and everything by rank, like, in the game. And there's this, some places, um, you know, they track your, how many times you're in the gym, like how many hours you're in the gym. It doesn't mean you're learning. It just means you're showing up. Like, it doesn't mean you're doing much. And some people will you get stripes or, or belts because of that. Like, well, fuck man, you show up to work too. It doesn't mean you deserve a raise or you deserve a manager or anything. Like right. it's because you show up and there's people that are like, I've got so many hundred hours this year. I deserve, you know, I should be this stripe and this stripe. I'm like I fucking think you're missing the point of all this. Like if yeah. you're so focused on that, how are you going to be like, you know, I don't know, like Sergio and those guys, like they never like, if they thought you were blue belt, they had a blue belt. If they hand out your purple belt, they hand you purple belt. I don't think they ever did stripes or anything like that. Like coming from like that, you know, kind of background um, to then going to a place, you know, where it was they did stripes and, and belts and whatever else, and put so much into that. It's um, it's weird because 
sometimes you kind of it sits in your mind of just like oh it took me this long to get purple but I can also fucking hang with how many people so it's just yeah it's just it's a complete mind game and people get so wrapped up in it rather than progress and it's so easy to say though is like worry about your progress not your rank yeah well we still fucking have them and they're still there yeah. and you still celebrate a black belt right. like if it's not that big of a deal <laughs> you know like why do they text the photographer if uh, yeah you know if it's like, not big of a deal yeah. so one thing I, I really one thing i really appreciate is when you know if they have like jeremy or with, with uh jason like jason, yeah. just hit he got his belt it was just like and a sporadic like boom it wasn't like yeah you know oh hey uh so and so this black belt from here's coming in he's kind of the head of our organization and then you expect like right you know, stripes and belts and everything else to be handled. You kind of know what's coming. Um, even like when people are getting promoted to a belt, like if you have two guys that are pretty close, like, yeah, promote them at the same time. Cause if like, I, I mean, I honestly feel like a lot of these promotions should be like a very individual, like one person in front of the team, give them their respect. Kind of, you know, tell the story, these other things, mm-hmm. you know, don't lose it. in like anonymity of like 30 people got their fucking belt today. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like if you have two guys that are, train together all the time and at the same time and one guy gets his belt yellow doesn't at that time that creates a whole nother conflict and rift and sure and, and, and the can, opposite is is equally potent I, I would assume like the two of them striping up or belting up together they're about to have some good rounds over yeah, the next yeah. few weeks after that and so it's just this 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 rank thing and i know you know jeremy being the gym owner and you know, everything else he hears about it. I'm sure other people do like Ish and whoever else kind of runs these places about people mm-hmm. bitching. And, you know, I've kind of been, I mean, I've been guilty of it too, of said being a white belt for so long or, you know, or, or blue belt or whatever. And I don't think I've, I still have yet to get like promoted with having full stripes or which is even better for me. I'm like, great. Give me no stripes. I don't want stripes. <laughs> like sure. if you just walk up, like after years of training, walk up and just hand me it out of nowhere. I think that's fucking better than like expecting like, Oh, I've got four stripes. It's going to happen anytime today. Yeah, yeah. Cause then you're so focused on just being there, like, Oh, I'm just going to get my hours in. Yeah. I was going to say it turns you know, it into a, I, I've been here a lot yeah. lately. Here should be getting a stripe. And there's people who track their hours, Yeah, yeah. which it's, if it's a motivational thing for you, then that's fine. Like cool. But if you're tracking your hours because you feel you should, get sure. something at that point sure. then I think you're missing it and you're yeah. you're not going to be the practitioner you could be you know like you're you're expecting things at that point and it's just not I don't know it kind of ruins the purity of it for me I guess And I've made the joke about uh, Ishmael giving me a blue belt as a joke <laughs> and I think I'm going to switch it to I'm a five stripe white belt nice I, like I was that. I was white belt for life for a while yeah I tell people that like where you at white belt <laughs> Also, what's your pro record? Hmm, fuck you. Let's not you talk know. about that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, right. But because it's like, I mean, uh, maybe they were joking, but maybe that's the point. It's like, whatever metric is your metric, do your thing. And if right. your metric is, am I kicking ass? Am I feeling better about it? Am I winning fights, let's say? Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with a stripe or a belt or whatever, but fucking. Yeah. It's like, am I doing good against a brown belt? It. You know, like, yeah. am I losing to my purple belt who's getting tapped by blue belts all day long, you know, or my purple belt who's doing good against brown belts, giving a black belt run for their money, you know, like those types of things. It's like, you don't need the belt. Like you kind of look at skill level and be like, Hey, that dude's over there 
He's been winning a ton of tournaments, and I go with him, and I don't get tapped. Like that's that's all. That's a huge accomplishment, you know. Like that's yeah. that's big. Like look at things like that. Not like uh, they got four stripes. They got three. I still got one over here. But I time my belt nicer than them, and their geese sloppier than mine. <laughs> I bow properly, and I say "oss" more than them. And I, I have this fucking SAE bowls like three times a day, and post on Instagram about it. Like, <laughs> I should be black belt already. I'm living that lifestyle. Yeah, bro. yeah. BJJ for life. And you ever have an SAE bowl? <laughs> yeah. Are they fucking gross? I- I mean, it's didn't, like it didn't give me superpowers. Kind of, say that again. It didn't give me superpowers. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So we were at the tournament. It was Roosevelt High School or wherever. Um, and they had the assay bowl stand there. Mm-hmm. So everyone went and had one. And I was like, all right, I, let me try. Like, what? It was good. I I mean, I know there's a place in Egan that has them and people go nuts about but I, I, I want to be like, have you ever had a bacon cheese? <laughs> Legit. Like, with some fries and shit? Yeah. Like, fucking acai yeah. bowl. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You want to talk about something? You go to, uh, God, what is that? Um, Birch Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to talk about acai bowl? You go to, did they? They cl- fuck. Birch, yeah, they did, right? That's a 20 I got to go home and cry. Right? Sorry, guys. Oh, we can cry here. It's okay. Oh, fuck. A week ago? The, oh, I was like, thinking of somebody else then. I would punch a family member for one of their burgers like it's the it was the, the wagyu like the ground like they, they take the yeah. wagyu scraps and grind it like we would go there i think jeremy and jenny went there we were there for my birthday with them like as a couple's he's like what do you get and i'm like burger he's like no I'm like yeah. yeah yes i am yeah and it's like 14 dollars everything yeah. else is like 40 dollars on the menu yeah. he's like you're not getting a burger on your birthday i'm like the fuck i'm not he's like you're getting a steak i'm like if i'm getting a steak i'm getting a burger also like yeah I'm not coming here and not getting a burger. Yeah, like, people discount burgers, but like oh, a quality dude. burger with a good cut, like don't get all snobbish on me and not want to grind up or chop up this high end. No, I want to mm. eat it the way I want to eat it and melt some cheese on that motherfucker. Do you ever have Let's it there? Go. No. Did you? Do you have a burger ever? Oh, fuck. Probably oh. been there, but he didn't do the burger. Yet. Dude, yeah, we went there with my tattoo artist the first time and I don't know how much order. Hey, like, who's your tattoo artist? Uh, Shane Wallen. Cool, why not? Shout, Shout out, out. Yeah. Um, for all my pretty work. He uh, Where does he work? Anywhere? So he had a shop in Minneapolis. He sold it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he actually owns Garnett Tattoo in San Diego. But oh, okay. he does tattoo out of here. He goes into Comus um, as cool. a kind of a guest thing. He, If you ever want to look up cool stuff, he does a lot of the mastectomy tattoo. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. So like, Good for it's him. interesting Like being in this realm of everything, like we're fighting and everything. Like Jeremy yeah. and Jenny... I asked him to do like the blood drive. Like you just, you find so many people that are willing to help and do whatever. Yep. Like it's amazing too. With like, Oh, you guys are fighters. You guys are all fucking meatheads. Like, yeah. Like talk to a lot. Like, yeah. Ish is a meathead. Clearly the guy's very unintelligent, but, you know, <laughs> just like just this, this, this thought process people have like Shane, who is a very successful tattoo artist. And now like does a ton of, you know, either like the nipple tattoos for people with breast cancer yeah. or like big cover-ups. Yep. Like go to uh, Garnet tattoo, uh, com and look at his work. And he's like it's awesome. fucking magical. Like, That's cool. and the the psychological effect it has on the women and stuff too is is amazing. Like they've done a lot of interviews and stuff on it, and videos, and it's it's just super impressive. Unlike that, dropping beers, not awesome. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I I have a problem with um, either people or endeavors or organizations that aren't attached to good causes. Yeah. 
Like there's so many powerlifting meets every year, like pre-COVID, that aren't also raising money for something. Like we're all here. We mm-hmm. all paid ten bucks to get in. Couldn't we have taken two bucks out of every one of those and pushed it to something? Right. You know, that's what I dig about like We Defy mm-hmm. and Tap Cancer Out. That's an organization I've been connecting to. Going to have an episode with them hopefully. Nice. And like powerlifting, that you know, once in a while a meet will be attached to some fundraising endeavor, but then there's like Relentless, which is a yeah. That's a guy. I knew a lot of people with that. You, you're familiar with Relentless? Yeah, so Mike, huge, my old coach, man. was big into that. Raised a ton of money. We donated a bunch of that, and then um, they did like a couple comedy shows. And I know Jeff. Oh God, I don't remember his last name. He was a big part of that with Relentless. But like the then the point of it is like, okay, we're all going to show up and like lift a bunch of weight, like a bunch of goobers. Let's also like raise awareness and mm-hmm. raise some money and have a good impact kind of yeah. deal. So like the fact that even just like tattoo shops are starting to think that way, you know, yeah. mastectomy tattoos, that's awesome. Yeah, I know Nicomas, he's uh super, super involved in his community too. Which is, you know, like kind of South Minneapolis area and that and mm-hmm. he's big into that and he's very strict on like who works there and their conduct. Sure. And things like that. So I just I don't know, things like that are it's cool to see and you know, kinda changing that view of society has on a lot of people and you know let's think about on the way up here of like how many people are into you know we've got like Lefevre and those guys like how many physicians we have and we also do jujitsu and or fight or just the involvement of so many different disciplines of where they thought of it as just a meathead thing and like no people have brains you can think and can do things that are positive for society so. What are you doing your PhD in? You mentioned you're working on a PhD. So it's it's actually it's a doctor of nursing practice. So it's not a PhD. Okay. So I finished my um, master's in nursing was for my nurse practitioner. So it's just like the next step. Yeah. Um, Ac- academic be. kind of move, or it, is it uh, field? Uh both. Yeah. It's kind of it's weird. They um, a couple of years ago they wanted to change it to where, so like everyone in the hospital, um, you know, pharmacists and everything else are all like a doctoral level now. So a way to kind of bring it to the same level playing field in that. Um, and then so they kind of came up with the, the doctor of nursing practice with that. And there is, there is like the, you can go one route, which is like teaching leadership or the other one, which is actually like being a provider in practice, which is so what I do. Um, I don't need to have it. They're saying it. They were kind of going to make it mandatory, but it's just that it was another year. Like I already made it this long. You know, there's another year to do it. It's a research project. I'm doing it on ultrasound gallery to IV access. So something I'm interested in anyways. And then um, just if it's me versus someone else and I have it and they don't, it's kind of a, a leg up and gives me just the knowing how to do research, write more papers and that is. Well, and I was going to say if, if like it sounds like the industry's probably going that way in terms of qualifications, right. it means five or 10 years from now yeah. you've, you're, you're covered. Yeah. You're up to the new standard exactly. when it becomes the standard. Yeah. So we had thought about, like, oh, I'll take a year off, which glad I didn't now because I don't have shit to do with COVID going on. <laughs> you know, so my wife was like, nope, just do it. Just get it done with it. So yeah. kind of been having the discussion back and forth. She's like, just, you're already in that mode, like your mindset of writing things and everything. Like, just get it done with. That was kind of my thing, too, was like with the kids and stuff, like you're getting older. So get it done now with more time to play. And then also I can kind of, you know, selfishly get back to training more doing more fun things and get the dirt bike out and go you know, deer hunting or whatever and nice. you know more enjoyment because yeah let me let me back up one other time that was a backup because i forgot to ask you earlier you said you're gonna fight again <laughs> i right? said i may you may <laughs> i hinted at it yeah well let's talk about it yeah even, even if it's hypothetical 
Well, so I'll comp- like BJJ and stuff like that. I'll compete either way. Yeah, you know? no big deal. Nobody's gonna punch you. It's all good. Yeah, there's less of a. I can't say there's less of a chance of getting hurt. But I've just been thinking a lot about um, like competing before and things like that, and like when I fought like jiu-jitsu and just kind of where I'm at now compared to then. And, and mentality wise, you know, they talk about people don't maybe not hit their peak till their 30s or so, you know, those type of things. And think about like young fighters or whatever else. Like I think just cognitive ability now of that. And a lot of the fights, I enjoyed them. But also when you're making a living doing things, it's kind of your job. There's a little bit of that to where I think if I can put it together as I'm doing it for fun, just with that money, you know, like it'll be, you know, like for fight to win was to raise money and donate to someone It'd be the same thing, you know, like all the money will go towards whatever uh, charity um, and just for fun and just for me to do it again and, and like have that enjoyment, but to have a fight where it's like, I don't have to do this. I don't need the money. But I'm gonna. Go, I get to go play. Like really, go play. And Caitlin's been bugging me a while about doing a Muay Thai fight. Like she's been just relentless of like you need to. She seems that type. You just need to go do it. She's yeah. like come up. You know she's I've probably right. Dude. Train with them and stuff like that. And like I love just standing and striking. I um. I'm good. Um, I watched that fight. I posted a week or so. Like the title match with uh, Zach Wolf, mm-hmm. and just watching that, and, like the striking and stuff, and it's like yeah, I noticed you shared a couple of old fights. Yeah, that came up in the Facebook history. Yeah, whatever, right? it's like, and oddly enough, like I watch them and I get nervous. Like I fucking know what happens. Sure, like, why am I getting nervous with this? Like, oh my god, what's gonna, what's gonna, what's gonna happen here? Like, yeah. dude, you were there. You don't remember anything of it, but you also know what happened. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's fucking the way your brain works. So weird with, with things like that, but it protects you against stuff like that. Yeah, but like, I don't know, but um. Yeah, so watching that, it's like, man, I'm so much of a different talent pool now and mental capacity and everything. And granted, I'm like, I won't drop to 135 again. That's for damn sure. <laughs> like, I won't be cutting that much weight. Uh, that's unless the difference a between dad life payday. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I was cutting pretty deep there, and I don't need to. That's kind of the other thing is um, realizing, like, how much – people diet and do these other things and how much stress you put on your body. It's not. Caitlin talks about it. Uh, Ellen Rank is a personal trainer mm-hmm. um, and that she kind of, she puts a lot of stuff on Facebook about it. I really I talked to her a lot about that and kind of making it known like how much athletes basically torture themselves, yeah. you know, um, and it just affects your life in general, happiness and everything else. And uh, yeah, I think doing one, like, I mean, I feel like I owe Caitlin a Muay Thai fight in general. And if I can like rain down elbows someone from clinch, I'll be the happiest little clam ever. Like get some like, and this will not be like the kickboxing. This will be like, you know, eight ounce gloves, full rules, like throw down Muay Thai mm-hmm. fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, same with the MMA. Like I think I need to do at least one more legit match. So there's two more Travis the Hurricane fights. One's Muay Thai. Yeah, maybe. One's the MMA. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just need to happen for me to, you know, and then just the jiu-jitsu stuff and that. But I've been really looking at, like, after, after May, because I graduate in May, just kind of to the life enjoyment and hoping COVID things are down. But, you know, I'm just going riding dirt bikes with the Jeremy and stuff and just getting a family. My boys have dirt bikes and all that. And, sure. you know, spend more time deer hunting and fishing and 
Just striking a new balance. Yeah, I've been just a ton of time, you know, working nights, a lot of hours, and uh, school and and other things, like just kind of recentering, and I'm sure, like just the stress and everything else, it could be a very different thing. Like once letting all of it go, and you know, maybe I can see all these cool new hip TV shows the kids are watching these days. <laughs> Or the TikTok, as they call it. I don't know that that's cool. Yeah, it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I don't. I'm not on there. So, you got any advice for somebody that wants to get into fighting? <laughs> not, not, yeah. Ah, hmm. uh, I guess why? Like, know your why. Like, what? Yeah, like, what's your goal? Um. You know, are you expecting to be, as with anything, like, are you expecting to be, like, the number one? Like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to be number one UFC so-and-so in two years. Like, you realize you're just starting out, right? Like, let's maybe set goals that are a little more realistic and find someone who, like, knows their shit and uh, can kind of be, like, a mentor guidance and not, like, a, you know, like, if you go train somewhere, helps out people, like, who care about you. Same with, like, employment or anything else. Like, you're a lot happier where you have, like, connection with people and uh, kind of look at their pedigree, too, and, like, what they've come from. Like, have they been handed everything or have they been, like, Clarky? Clarky's been in the shit, man. Like, that dude has built up from nothing and, and spent time, you know, in Europe and everything else for how, many, how long, away from family, sacrificed a ton to get where he's at. And people see a successful gym, and they're just like, "Can't be that hard. I can do it." Like, yeah. Like, he, he he opened it as a blue belt. How yeah, hard could it be? Rude right? awakening, buddy. Right. And I think like with our society, people see that it's just like, "Well, so and so can do it. I can do it." Like, you don't see the sacrifice mm-hmm. that anyone anyone especially makes. for fighting, right? Yeah. Like it's the amount of sacrifice according to payoff of fighting is fucking stupid. Like that's the one piece of advice I can give anyone who wants to get into it. Like, you are going to give up much more than you're probably going to get back. <laughs> sure. You sure. know, it's not a, you damn well better love it. Yeah. It's just as like you do it because you enjoy it. There's, mm-hmm. you're most likely not going to be benefiting financially. Hopefully you have health insurance, <laughs> you know, like cause the <laughs> amount of people that get into a lot of this that have no job, no insurance, anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like, so if you get, you know, a fracture or something, like, what do you, you know, I don't know. Okay. What do you mean? If, like yeah, when it'll be you, there when you get a fracture yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like, I lucked out. I only had, I broke my leg before a fight because I put my foot down. A guy's going to slam me, and I tried to like catch myself, and mm-hmm. so I broke my fib a week out from a fight. Then found out two weeks afterwards it was actually broken. <laughs> Went in for an X-ray, and they're like, "No, it's fine." <laughs> I was like, God, it still hurts. And they called me like, oh, yeah, by the way, it has been broken this whole time. I was like, oh. Well, that's why it hurt. Sweet. That's why it hurts really bad. <laughs> and then uh, I should broke my knuckle in a fight. And I, guys had, I had kind of mountain. And guys had it against the ground. And I hit. I was like, oh. Yep. yep. Like I knew. Yeah. Right like, there. Right there. And the ref called it. I was like, fucking sweet. Thank you. I kind of want to punch this guy anymore. It's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hurt me more. Yeah. It's going to hurt you, buddy. Ow. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no, I've been fairly lucky with injury wise, and that's good. I got knocked out once, so it's fair. But yeah, it's. Uh, you want to call anybody out as we're finishing here? Just in general. I don't know. What I don't even know what that means, but oh, I just say it at the end because it sounds cool. Yeah, 
I mean, just I have to say, like, I have to give some love yep. and support to people. Um, Do it, you know, like Jeremy and Jenny for sure, just for the culture and environment they built. Where at Minnesota Top Team, you're Where? good at that. In, in you're Egan, amazing, in Egan, yeah. So yeah. I think it's 3500 Dodd Road, Egan, Minnesota. Yeah. It's a bitch of a left turn. It's a Michigan left. Yeah, just yeah. take the curb, just to go. This yeah. <laughs> one not in the Honda, but um, yeah, they they have a very special place there. I think a lot of people. Like if you if people are there and they don't appreciate it, they need to be slapped. Yeah, they're missing something. They they don't know how well they have it compared to a lot of places. Like I've trained at a lot of gyms, even traveling at a lot of gyms. If they don't realize how good they have it at that gym, yeah, they need to reorient their lives and think about things. But there's another one guy say like, "Sit down, you are wrong. Please correct yourself." <laughs> so. And then, uh, like, you know, Caitlin and Ryan, like, I've known those guys for a long time, been incredibly supportive. And, yeah, I mean, they're the people you can, like, step away, like, not talk to them for a while and pick up right back where you're at. And uh, they, too, like, they've got somewhere that's incredibly supportive of their people. I think they sacrifice a lot to give back a lot. So hopefully people appreciate that. But if you guys are going to support them, and then Ish, Ish is something special, too, man. Like, you hear him talk and know his background. And, uh, a friend of mine went there. I was like, so what do you think of Ish? He's like, he sounds like a cartoon drill sergeant. <laughs> like, I fucking died laughing. Like, it's still like, <laughs> I just can't. It's like, that's a really accurate description. It, I mean, you almost don't want to say it is, but yeah, it's yeah. not up. And like, I just, it, it, whenever I think of Ish, it's just that like counting to 10 in my head. It's like, one, two, three, four, five, like that, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's all I can think of. And I was like, yep, I get it. I totally get it. But at Minnesota, we have some really good places, you know, and things like that, and just super supportive groups. I just like the people that go to the gyms. Like, they've created a really good culture of people that help you through things, you know, people that donate, you know, people that have family crises and cancer and those other things. Like, so it's not just a gym to train at. It's a family and a support system and a social structure, which I think a lot of this is really important for people, especially through like COVID and that. So I think hopefully people can just do that and then continue to, like you said, if you're doing something, hopefully donate or do something to help others, like have a cause for what you're doing and not just selfish ones. So cool. Yeah. Thanks brother. That's all I got. (laughs) Hey, thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm glad you made it to the end. Please do me a solid, like I say at the beginning, and give the podcast a five-star review. Go ahead and write something funny on Apple. I might be able to reward you. Please do get onto Instagram or Facebook and check out at Pohada Photography. If nothing else, you can keep up with updates of this podcast and who's going to be on next. And now a little taste of my conversation with Hayden Buckner. So it's cool on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we all go like the owners, right? And uh, Andy and Nat, the the two managers of uh, the Academy HQ, are there, and Greg's there. Um, and then we all try to bring our staff. So, like, Brandon will bring his managers and his instructors when he can. And I always encourage my staff to come this time, so it's the 11 a.m. rolling time. So we all come together, and we just roll hard and try to tear each other's heads off, you know? Mm-hmm. Harder than, you know, in a way that we couldn't, you know, it's, it's very safe and controlled and friendly. But, you know, when I... <laughs> When I'm rolling in the evening, it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, focusing on coaching for yeah. your students versus you competing yourself. When I'm rolling in the evening with my students, 
you know, my number one concern is uh, them getting better and that they're having a fun time while they're rolling. You know, jujitsu should be super fun. Um, when I'm rolling at 11 a.m., I'm not rolling with my students. 